This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little jello fingers. It's me, Allison. Before the show officially starts, a few words. One, have you ever heard a noise coming from the other room and thought someone is either exercising, putting together furniture, or masturbating? Because I feel like I have this thought a lot. Basically, whenever I hear deep breathing coming from somewhere near me, or perhaps on the phone. But I don't pick up my phone, so don't call me creeps. Anyway, uh, some iTunes comments of the week, I believe, would be in order. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. Okay. This first one, and by the way, I think I'm just going to read one, but I'm making it sound like there's a whole bunch. There are a whole bunch, mind you, but I'm just going to read one today. The first one, so funny. I love Allison. When she talks about her history with men and her irrational thoughts and ways of dealing with her boyfriend, I feel so unalone, the way a best friend should make you feel. She is hilarious, and sometimes I wish the podcast was just her and Gary. Thanks, Allison. Someday when you write the world's funniest guide to dating, I will be first in line to get it signed. I hope this doesn't come off as a backhanded compliment, because that's totally not how I mean it. Crap, it really sounds rude, but my delete button is broken. Darn it. Please don't put me on the FU segment. Um, couple things. It doesn't sound rude at all. Uh, but I appreciate the concern. I find that um, people who listen to the show, for the most part, I think are nice people. And nice people sometimes worry that things they say come out wrong, especially if they're listening to a show where the host talks about things that people have said that have been kind of crappy. Um, but if you are worried, like, okay, let me, let me back up. 99.9999999.8. It's a lot of points and nines and eights in that uh, number which is not a real number, the vast majority of the time when people tell me that they're worried that something they said came out wrong, it didn't come out wrong. And I would almost say by definition, by, yeah, by definition if you're worried that it, that it may have sounded harsh, then you don't really even need to worry. It's the people who aren't at all concerned about the effect their words are having on other people or who are actually trying to be dicks that are succeeding at being dickish. But um, I know that you guys are delightful and nice, and I can tell when someone's being a prick and when they're not. So if you're worried that you are, I don't think you are. Did that make sense? I'm going to hope so. Um, And the other thing is that I I love making people feel less alone. That's kind of the whole point, because we are all in this thing together. This thing being, um, now would be a good time to have something funny to say, but instead... I just have something sincere to say. This thing called life. Ugh, that was too sincere. I've overshot the mark and... (coughs) Now I'm just clearing my throat. Into the mic. Whoa. (coughs) Um, I just moved, by the way. I'm sitting here surrounded by boxes and, um, and dust. Not that much dust, just enough to cause that little throat thing. Um, but yeah, it's, uh... Wow. Moving sucks. I'm happy to be in the new place, but I cannot state enough how unsettling I find moving. And I I have moved too many times for someone to still react this way every single time it happens. So there's that. But I love you guys, and thank you for listening. And if you want to leave an iTunes comment, just please do. And what the hell, click five stars. And uh, click through my Amazon banner if you want to help the show. That's at alisonrosen.com. You can find that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And thank you for listening and for telling your friends and for being awesome and for letting me know um, how the show makes you feel. 
And my guests on this show are the Sklar Brothers, and they were delightful. And I think you will find that you feel that way about them as well. Okay, I love you guys, and uh, here's the episode. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with her good times never end. Allison Rosen. Hey everyone, hi, hello, it's me, Allison Rosen, and welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. I'm sitting here with Sklar's, identical twins, All Jason and Randy Sklar. That's right. And are there more Sklar's? No. Just yeah, there us. are. I mean, there's Are just... you guys together only children? We yeah, are like an, we only, are an only entity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, no, but we have kids and, you know. Those are Sklar's. There's another funny writer, comedian. Chuck Sklar. Chuck Sklar, very funny. There's Rachel Sklar, a Ra- media reporter. We know Rachel Sklar. Very there you sweet. Go. Very, there you go. Very but funny, I meant, did your parents sire more Sklar's? Stopped with us. No, no. So I love the idea of parents siring kids. I think that's how they do it, isn't it? By the way, I, I love I mean, you can also whelp. I love the opening song. Oh, thanks. I thought the Jim Blossoms, the lead singer, was dead. No. <laughs> He's actually. Wait Touché. a second. In your wow. face. Allison. Tom Rapp, Trap Dog, that's, that's who does the song. So. Oh, I was yeah. thinking that's so face. I was thinking that's so amazing that there's a song out there that that existed and then it's you decided to do a podcast. I know. That's so thank lucky. God it didn't, it, thank God it wasn't like Allison Rosen is such a fucking cunt. No. Because I'd have to no. have a totally different tone to the show. That would, and you know what? That that's wouldn't a spin have been doctor you. song. That's actually a spin <laughs> exactly. doctor song. Seriously. Man, Chris whatever Barron. happened to them, pocket full of kryptonite. Chris uh, Barron, I heard him like back on Sirius Radio doing like acoustic stuff. I actually just heard John Popper talking about him. About the spin, spin doctors. Then they had, I don't know what he was saying. I just heard, I thought, they had this a whole horde, thing is funny. He was saying if my stomach staples worked, I'd look like the lead singer of... I look like Chris Barron. Something doctors. like that, yes. yes. Chris Barron was like the physical manifestation of the overall unbuttoned... Yes, like one he was. overall flap yes, down. Yes, if that style faux pas could grow feet and hands, it it's was like, Chris Barron. Hey, Barron. I'm farming, but I don't really care. That's right. I don't, he, I don't care about being buttoned up on mm. the farm. Hey, we're just cooking veggie burritos over here. We're not bothering anyone. Yeah. And yet, I feel like he's cosmically closer to Alanis Morissette singing about India than to Kid Rock, who also just doesn't care and is kind of farming. Kid Rock is, <laughs> I don't think Kid Rock is, is farming as much as hydroponically like, farming. Like, like he, in the back his of the description house. of a bumper yeah. crop would literally be a field full of like car bumpers yes. from Detroit. Oh, that's good. Hey, he's from Detroit, man. He just, he's just is saying about his place. Is he from Detroit? Yeah, he never he really makes it clear. He embody it. Yes. He doesn't say it enough. It's mm. a shame. Yeah. He's so classy. So for people that – I feel like everyone knows who you are. But for the few who don't and who don't feel like Googling right this minute, um, you guys are identical twin comedians and writers. And you're from United Stats of America, which is about to air again on H2, which is the cooler version of the History Channel. It's the smarter – The deuce. The History, smarter. History's deuce. Is because the History Channel is just a little too stupid? Uh, you don't think that shooting alligators uh, – Oh, is that on the History Channel now? Oh, yeah. yeah. That would – now – Shooting alligators and pawn stars has sort of dominated history right. programming. Which, by the way, like that's been the most successful formula in all of cable television. I like, short of like showing sports, sporting events, like History Channel has the best ratings. Can you know without having yeah. a sporting event on the on the network? Other than jousting, they do have jousting. But they the do. point is that like that's that. So a show like ours, which was hey, we're going to teach you some stuff and it's going to be funny and whatnot, just didn't really 
fit the bill there. But they have you know shows on H two that are like Ancient Aliens and How the Which State's are, Got Their Shapes. Brian Unger show Brian Unger is really funny. Hilarious. So I mean, look, we'll see how it does there. Gonna run the whole series again. We'll see what it does. Mm-hmm. And also, you guys host Sclarborough Country and Sclarborough County. Yes. Now, two things. First of all, I up till this morning thought it was Sclarborough, which like really a closer to you know take off of Scarborough or Marlboro. That's what I was thinking. Sclarborough. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean I, I'm not H two material, but then hey, I was like, oh, it's hey. Sclarborough. That makes so much more sense. Right. Because we're brothers. We're the Sclarbros. Yeah. No, I, believe me. You don't. I'm it, not that it, stupid. It makes sense, and that's yeah. what we're going. We wanted for. to create a place where people could go, a magical land. Because I do think that these podcasts. I don't know if you agree with this or encounter this with your fans that they go off in their brains. Whether you're yeah, helping them get ideally. through their commute. Or helping them get through exercising or whatever crappy part of their day, they go off to another place. Mm-hmm. And we we're like, well, let's let this be kind of a you know a nice little oasis for you, and let's craft this place the way we want it. This is the way we would want to do it in this period of time. Was that the county or the country that came Both. first? I mean, county, county lives in for, the country. Yeah, the county is part. The county is in the country, yet it covers some, less. You know. Terrain, area, surface area, and but it's very potent. And Is it really more fun. like Narnia or Xanadu or Brigadoon? It's like you know how you go into the wardrobe to get to Narnia. Yes. So it's before you get to the land, you've got to walk through a lot. Like it's coats. a big long like walk-in <laughs> closet. So yeah. it's the area where all the shoes are. Yeah, and the coats. That's the county. Yeah, it smells like coats. But it, and it's really, really a fun place to come. <laughs> you really, are welcome to come to either one. Either one, whichever one fits your schedule. You're welcome to come. And, and but what is the difference actually? County is forty five minutes to an hour, and it's our buddy Dan Van Kirk, mm-hmm. who is kind of like the you to Corolla on the Corolla podcast. Oh, the thing that makes the show good. Yes, yeah. you're the kind of the that, ingredient. That ingredient. Uh, he co-hosts it with us, and he uh, brings up a bunch of stories. Very funny guy. He brings up a bunch of stories in the world of sports, and then mm-hmm. non-sports, and we bat them around, and it, it's more sort of loosely improv than the actual than the show that we do Scarborough Country which is a we little write more, a lot more of that show we actually write a lot of the jokes and the material and we so that takes more preparation takes obviously. more preparation but and then there's like sort of a more formal interview in the first show although in country although in county when we have guests on we end up kind of throughout the whole show just talking and asking getting questions the about story them about and so them, it, so. it's a little more organic than the country's a little more Structure, yeah, it's, it's more like a, a scripted show. Are they both weekly? Yes, every week. And you know, county we did comes county. out on Tuesdays. We did it because we were doing one a week, and people were emailing us and saying, "Like, hey, I wish there was something that came out on Tuesday, something that got I get us that. midweek a midweek snack." So we started off saying, "All right, this will just be a midweek snack. It'll just be me and Randy and Dan for thirty four to forty minutes, just kicking stuff around." But then we started to say, "Well, what if we threw a guest in the mix here? I think it'd be really fun." And then, what if we added this element? So now it's kind of grown to become, its and own it becomes focus. a bit of a catch all. Like we have these guys coming on this week. The, it's going to be for the county for next week. And they're just guys that we know because we're soccer fans. And they used to have a great soccer show on uh, Sirius XM. And Fox Soccer Channel. Right? Fox Soccer Channel or whatever. They just had like a great show. And then they there was a crazy controversy where they got kicked off the air. And now they do their own podcast. Ooh, for people that might know, what are they, who, who are we talking about? Stephen Cohn and Kenny Hassan. There was a, he, Stephen Cohn made some comments about Liverpool and like, you know. Well, there were some Liverpool fans who got angry 
Liverpool fans were angry at – let's see if I got this right – at a ta- at like – You're not going to get this right. Italy. I wouldn't have known. Liverpool fan, there was a ma- There was a problem, okay? A lot of Liverpool fans showed up without tickets to a match between Liverpool and a team in Italy. Are right? they called Liverpudlians? Yes. I want, okay, good. Yes. Oh, that's my favorite part. That was great, right? Fantastic. And so they showed up yeah, I don't to know the how stadium. You got pool to puddles. That's I guess diminutive. a puddle is a smaller pool. Yeah. So they showed up without tickets to this game, and they weren't allowed. They kind of bum rushed in there, and then a bunch of people got crushed as they were trying to get out, and like you people know, not- died. And so all all that Stephen Cohn was saying was suggesting was that the people who showed up without tickets and got drunk and started like ruining the town and then bum rushed the place, some of those people died. It's hard not to say that they played some role. In, mm-hmm. in the situation that created that's a horrible Wherever situation. Wherever you come down on that thing, right. is are a very they great much, white? It's a hot, yeah, it's a hot button issue. Great white, great good white. call. That's also great. But so I mean, it's like, what do you, where do you come down on that issue? And so then, he 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 posited an issue. He threw his hat in the ring there, and then got like death threats from like Liverpool. People fans. like, I know where you live. I'm going to kill you Jeez. because it gets that fanatical. Yeah. And so and it got too hot buttony, and then they. Had but the to, point is that there. a lot of our listeners are not soccer fans, but. These guys are great, and we've kind of come on their show before, and so we were like, you know what? The county would be a great place to have these guys on and just to get deep into soccer. Our friend Michael Costa, who's a comedian, was a professional tennis player. We got so deep into like – because we're fans of tennis. We got so deep into the you know, sort of a tennis discussion. It is a sports and comedy podcast for those who don't Oh, yes. Know. That's right. We didn't yes. actually mention that. But it's sports I'm gonna and comedy. I'm going to have to use this moment of you mentioning tennis to bring up something which is, which is uh, painful for me, which is that on the Adam Carolla show – Yeah. We were talking about people who have like one arm that's bigger than the other or something like that. Right. And I said, yeah, like tennis players. Rough and and you could have, thank you. You could have heard a fucking needle drop in here as Nadal's. everyone, three sports people, Bob, Brian, Adam, and someone else. Didn't get it. No, Didn't they know. all looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, everyone knows, except for you fuckers, that in yes. tennis, it's common that one arm gets bigger. Yes? Your, your, your stronger arm. I mean, you look at yeah. Raf- Rafael Nadal. His Phew. left arm Rafael is Rafael Nadal's left arm is almost as big as Serena's right arm. Yeah. Thank you. But I thought that everyone that this is just no, this is just fact. And people have sent me articles that state that it is fact. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It right. is fact. Oh, if you hit you. A, If you hit a ball over and over with mm. one hand... It's going to get bigger than the other hand. That's right. If you Thank hit you. a child over and over with one hand, with one arm, your That's forearms you are going to get so You have ripped. to beat your kid. That's you why the there's, a great, with it. there's a great workout tape for that. There it's is. called uh, <laughs> There Goes Honey Boo Boo. Yeah. Like honey- <laughs> <laughs> have you been watching that show? Honey Boo Boo. I just saw the clip of them dumpster diving. And yeah. you know what? Here's the thing the little fat kid is my favorite. Of I course. think the little fat kid is cute. Is, is that, that Honey Boo Boo? The little girl who's yeah. fat? Yeah, yeah, that's Honey Boo Boo. I mean, it's all of them, kind the, of. But the, yeah, that's Honey Boo Boo. The little girl is yes. Honey Boo Boo. Right. Yes, yes. She, I believe she was on not knowing what Toddlers and Tiaras. She was. She came from that. She yeah. came from that world. How and now can we get her. her together with the fat woman on Dance Moms? How is a show not amazing that's in English and subtitled? <laughs> exactly. Any <laughs> that's time, a good point. Anytime, how much, yeah. That well, happens that's a lot on Swamp People on History. That's what they like. They'll do that. Shoot That Some Bitch is like actually a printed... Subtitled that they just go back to over and over again. What did yeah. he say right there? Shoot just throw and shoot that some bitch. Said something, and I think it shoot, shoot that, that some bitch. bitch. But little honey boo boo, yeah, little. I, I, I call. Do you call little honey boo boo? Because I like that. I like to make her smaller. Little than she bu- is. little honey boo boo, hopping oh, through yes. the dumpster. 
Picking out the and bopping them on the head. Did everyone sing that in school or just we? Gary, does this song mean anything to you? Little Bunny Foo Foo. I'm wondering. It was like a weird sort of cautionary tale. If she fucks Lamar Odom, then get ready for the Kardashian wrath to get down on this girl. I do want who you want, Little Honey Boo Boo. No, Chris. Chris. Uh, Chris Card- Jenner. Jenner. I, for a second, I blanked out. I think he um, took has her already last spoken name. out against Little Honey Boo Boo. Yeah. Yes, she, yeah. I love. Yeah, she's, she's taking like, the moral. She's threatened. Don't you infringe on our territory right. of having no talent and, and all of a sudden being our famous. Kids. That Does is not she do that? cool. This is a liquid brunch. Yeah, <laughs> that's what she ended it with. Exactly. I love the um, drunk clip of her going into the pool. <laughs> Like after lunch. So I have so many questions. And um, okay, I'm going to start with the fact that you guys, to get onto my podcast, requested um, quote unquote an annoying. No, maybe it was Gary who called it that, but an annoying number. He, you said, remind us a lot, and then Gary said, okay, annoying number of reminders to follow. I'll tell you why. And then we annoyed you with reminders. But I I was thinking. Oh, they, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm just wondering, does this system normally work for you? Because what if the person reminding you is forgetful? Well, here's the thing. Like, I just know that we've – there's been there have been moments like we do a, a weekly segment on NPR. That's a weekly segment that we do on NPR. And I think sometimes if we're not around, we have to record it the day before. We set a meeting like two weeks ago to go mm-hmm. in and do it at like 2 p.m. when we normally do it at 10. 2 p.m. on – Wednesday and we normally do a 10. We set the meeting and we missed it. Yeah, there was a call we were on that started to run long. And I've missed flights. We kept looking at each other and we were like, do we what have a- something? What do we have to do today? I think we just have so many little things to do that I was like, look, I know this is going to be annoying. And I even set that up to Gary. I was like, I know it's going to be annoying, but please just remind us a bunch so of was it anno- So was it annoying for us to ask to be annoyingly oh, reminded? No. Okay. no, I don't think it was. It wasn't annoying for you to ask. It just made me think. Does this normally work yes. handing the responsibility of reminding you to someone else? Has to. Has it seemed to. unorthodox. I, you know, oh, I don't I, trust I, myself. Let me just say this. I really appreciate oh, how many times you did it. Happy and so, to do it. You know, I, it's like, again, one email, it's really not a big deal. But I don't know why Gary's it. all of a sudden so upset. Yeah, Gary. It's just weird that he's coming down on I us so to, hard. I had to talk him into... You had to talk him down. I had to talk him into not ledge. canceling this because right. he's like, I can't. This is not part of my and job. Did he and I was say, like, yeah, please but I... remind me not to cancel this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like a bunch of times. Remind exactly, me not yeah. to cancel we, this. I had reminders set to remind him, uh, yes. to remind you. Thank you. Yeah. What, are you, what the hell are you drinking? That's what I want to oh, know. Oh, this is. Um, do they sponsor your show? Is he, do you have to drink it? Because they No, I actually like it. It's wild cherry flavor, sparkling water beverage from Safeway, and it's zero calories. Is and that zero one of those everything. One, there are some places that say it's wild cherry flavor, and then it's like, super sweet with like this is that this is yeah when people take a sip they're like oh oh i oh yeah because you expect <laughs> it to be like a very lightly flavored to like beverage. not taste like anything you expect and be it like, like water with a hint no like this the is essence a, there's of a black hint cherry. of water yeah there's a hint of water in but it. it's it should, mostly just fake flavoring it's like it should be like a supermodel fart it just kind of goes in the air and then it just, just kind of su- sprinkles down like a do you think it would be like a suggestion of fart when a yes. supermodel farts? It's yes. not even. It's like one – it's adjacent to a regular fart. They hold it in. They hold it in and then that's how they die inside. Did you know that Gary and Fred Armisen don't allow themselves to sneeze in public? They just hold them in? They hold Whoa. their sneezes in. Armisen, I could see him doing that. I could see him doing that. And it just – if you ever see him contorting his face, now you know. Yeah. But Gary, I didn't realize that about. He doesn't him. seem like a sneeze hoarder. It's on my Wikipedia page. <laughs> why? But why? Why hold it in? Yeah. Why? Why not? I mean, I feel like sneezing is something people. First of all, congratulations see. on having a Wikipedia page. That's yeah. great. I amazing. I absolutely don't. It's um, no. I just 
He's afraid I, he's going to shart. I definitely do sneeze sometimes in public, but I have the ability to like stifle it, which just is less. So this is a power play for no, you. No, no, it's is not. Like, it's I not. can fucking he's control nature. Face. Do you understand? I you're can... laughing in the face of God is what you're <laughs> exactly. doing right now. Oh, yeah? You want me to do something that's involuntary? Yeah. <laughs> I'll voluntarily not do it. Have you ever been scared myself. by a sneeze? Yes. No, okay. Yours or someone, someone else's? Else, yes. You're not expecting it. Yes, my father-in-law. My father-in-law sounds like a dog barking so loud that you're he's like, Roar! oh my god, yes, <laughs> that's how my dad sounds. And it's awesome. I love it because I'm like, God, that's, full, that's I call that he's not he's not stifling it <laughs> at all. So that's for some reason that's got to feel great for him because is he's he not, not even, stifling it or is he? Pushing it out with a yell behind it. I don't think he's pushing Guys, it. He's not faking it. It's Guys, like, Whoa, last it's night, so loud. Last night, after I watched TV with my wife, after we watched TV, she went up to bed, and then I watched more TV. What were you watching? I Because we just figured out how to do the streaming Netflix thing mm-hmm. on our TV. Phenomenal. Because we just got a new TV. But the we just figured it out pretty much. Not figured out, but I'm, I'm getting deft with it. And I, uh, I watched this Jonestown Massacre, like so MSNBC, fun. something fun, like a like something a like, good like best a, time a, thing hey, to hey, watch. It's pretty. We are pitching, by the way. We are pitching a Jonestown Massacre sitcom. So uh, we'll see what happens when a crazy cousin shows up and outstays his welcome. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> no, but I feel like there was a moment. I mean, the moment at which just shit went down in this thing. I mean, went down. The people came down there with the camera crew and the congressman, and then like. Two people slipped him a note and said, get us out of here the night. And then the next day, they confronted Jim Jones. And then all these people started to say, we want to leave. We want to leave. And then everything happened. And they drank the Kool-Aid and everyone died, right? Mm -hmm. But that feeling of like, okay, there's a truck leaving. Let's get everyone out of here. That's his father-in-law's sneeze. (laughs) Right. It's an We got to get everything out. Just get like there's a few germs inside of him. They're like, oh, you're going out now? We can get out of here. I want (laughs) you to. I want you to know, I totally knew that's where Randy was going with that story. And if you didn't know, then shame on you. You're not listening close enough. I like to go so far out in one direction and try and bring it back. Right. But you also probably know, because you guys are identical twins and you know... No, you probably get I have no idea. I had no, no idea where he to, was going. I think right it's there. just like-minded. We had Adam on our show, and we were kind of—he was just doing some. I forgot what story we were talking about, but he started to go into something, and we kind of without ever discussing it ahead of time saw him going there and mm. then we all kind of just met there and did it you know we don't know him that well we just know him from doing right. this show so and it's a couple like a other comedy things. mind yeah, i think mind it was kind of i yes. think it is so i think we kind of adopt uh, we ascribe it to more of that than the mysticism of twins which we kind of like to debunk rather than it mm-hmm. than, than sort of espouse it i do i am very curious though about sort of the logistics of the twin stuff if that's okay for me to ask um i have older brothers who are identical twins you do yes but they Mm. um live in different states and they don't even look that much alike anymore to you to me yes i bet if somebody yeah are you amazed when strangers see them together and they're like whoa you guys are identical. And or, do they, or do they not actually, even look that they, much alike You know what? Anymore. That doesn't happen that much anymore. It's like if they say – because one of them is more tan than the other. One of them wears his hair differently. Now, actually, as they're getting older – The Rosen boys? They're, yeah. They are starting to look more alike again. But they're still – I think one of them might even be – I think Josh might be a little bit taller even. Josh is black, right? Mm-hmm. Josh is and black. And that's, there's that as well. They were born from two fathers. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. <laughs> I can't believe your mom. I know. It caused a lot of friction. Yes. Well, I can imagine the kind of friction it would cause. (laughs) And (laughs) chafing as well. Hey. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So anyway, so they have to have uh, I think they kind of br- bristled at the idea of being treated as a unit. Yes. But you guys obviously don't have that. Or do you? Have we that? do. We I do. think at times it's like we chose to go into this and be like, we're going to be a comedy team and this is what we're going to do. And we're going to present something different that hopefully you haven't seen before or look at the comedy team in a without getting too technical, somewhat of a postmodern way or in a way that's not has been you. There's no straight man and funny man in this mm-hmm. thing because there isn't one in our lives. And this is the most organic way that we can look at it now, taking a step behind and, and looking at it. But I think that there are moments where like, uh, you know, it, it's a little limiting at times. It's a double-edged sword. It is. We've but we do have families and that allows us this. We've always Treat throughout trade. our whole lives. Yes. I don't know if your brothers lived in the same room growing up. But uh, um, no, they had different rooms. Separate rooms, I think, is a big deal for twins. And... Wait, they had different rooms until my sister was born, and then they had one room. So, but they're, they're my half brothers, so they have a, so a they different mom. So they don't count. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, uh, no, so they didn't live. They didn't always live with us. Half breeds. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, I do believe that we, in spending that time apart from each other, or at least having a place where we could go that was our own throughout our lives. You can masturbate. But, in. Yeah, but unfettered. You know, but you know what I think it is. Ooh, sorry, I just kicked you. I, I feel like. I had it coming. You did. Yeah. My (laughs) probing twin Did you see what she was wearing? Yeah. She deserved it. Uh, I I just think that it's like we're we're trying to do something and explore a relationship between two people on stage and our comedy and our podcast that I feel like often gets glossed over pretty quickly. And what is that relationship? The twin relationship. I think Mm -hmm. people just are like – there's this like – wish fulfillment from outsiders who are like, ah, I wish I had a twin. That'd be so great. Someone would just totally understand me. And right. like, yes, that's cool. And that's like a part of it. But there are also other parts of it that aren't so great. There are people who are twins who are like, I hate the fact that I'm a twin. I don't want to be anywhere near my twin, which is another extreme. People always want to say, is there a good brother and an evil brother? Well, no. Is there? Yes. No, there isn't. Of course. We were both both good and evil. I mean, every person has good and evil inside of them. So it's like if we're trying to take a more nuanced approach, which is why we're not more successful as uh comedy do it but i think it's well i think it's much more, more realistic though yeah. i mean that's the thing is that i know from my brothers you can say like oh they're they're two individuals they're very different but it's like no they're they're not really very different it's nope. that when you contrast them you notice the differences but i mean i think those are fictions that people apply to like right. you're, you're saying the good and the evil or, or or how amazing is it that like on some level you know there are twins who quest to be as different as possible but then end up doing very similar right. things or, or they're trying to escape that truth about themselves and then they come back to that truth, which again is sort of like, you know, probably what a lot of us are with, with regards to our parents. You know, mm-hmm. you want to not grow up to become your mom or your and then you end up sort of doing that unknowingly. And that happens a lot because your DNA is wrapped up in that person. I think, you know, it's like DNA, especially if you're identical, the DNA right, has have, split. And mm-hmm. so you have that there, are, you know, things that you're predestined to sort of experience and like or dislike or go in a certain direction. I think that has something to do with it. But I don't believe in like crazy ass mysticism or telekinesis or he he gets hurt and then the other person. Anytime anybody starts talking like that, I'm like, bullshit. You are so full of shit. There's no there's no fucking way that happened. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then I'm like, why am I getting so angry about this? Why are you getting so angry? Seriously, why did you ran? I don't know. I always pull myself back and I'm like, don't get so angry. You I'm, say, not, I'm not chill, bro. I say relax. I say it's not that big of a deal. I send him a message well, from my brain. I'm like, chill out. I don't move my mouth. Is it because uh, 
you feel like the expectation is that you have some freakazoid power? I just think it goes back to the notion that you are – we like to try and think of ourselves as complete people, not – you know, as Not two, one half of right. – Right. Exactly. And, or, or just like you can just sort of say these people are this sort of a stereotype and that's what it is. But people are so much more complex than that. Right. Growing up though, was it like, oh, you're the this one or you're the this one or no. were there – no. Were, nope. Did you have like you one – you were more into this or more into that or – I think we were into similar things and mm-hmm. we played sports, which was great because you always had somebody to like throw a ball around with you always had someone to play tennis with you know now i have two kids that are five and seven and i try and get them to like i would love nothing more for 25 years from now for them to be doing something together i think that'd be the coolest thing like if my daughters had a radio show or some crazy thing like that i mean it'd be amazing but you know we try and get them to play together because we were of the same pretty much ability it's like better than hitting a tennis ball off a wall you're mm-hmm. actually getting competition you get better it was it, it was an interesting thing so we could kill lots of hours in a day doing that sort of thing which is what growing up is about just, just killing, killing those time. hours don't you just get through it just, yeah just it's get like through it, that freaking awkward life yeah like but, writing little hatch marks i actually <laughs> used to cross out the days on a calendar my mom did <laughs> that too did you do that? my mom who loves you're, life you're becoming um, your mother did you say yes. like did, no, did you I cross stopped. out and say another one down another one bites mm-hmm. the dust There's that yeah. one that thank one's god i'll never me. have to do that yeah, yeah exactly or did you as it was a like, child my life was a giant advent calendar only the big thing that you opened up didn't have chocolate in it. It yes. was just death. Just sad. Did you yeah. cross off a day and say, one, as a seven-year-old, one step closer to death? <laughs> <laughs> no. Here we no, go. No, I just – I did this so that when I looked at my calendar, I would just know what day it is. It sure. was just an efficiency thing. But right. then in college, a friend of mine got up my ass about how there's nothing beautiful about efficiency and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Jesus Christ, it's a calendar. But she Where'd convinced you go to me. School? Pomona College. Mm, yeah. Where'd you Scripps, guys Pitzer go? Schools. Yes, it's one, one of the Claremont colleges. Claremont Five. We were. We went to Michigan. Hmm. And did you like it? Yeah, I know that you guys were in a fraternity, and I know that you grew up in St. Louis. Is that yes, right? Yes, that's okay. right. I've done some research. Thank right? you. Uh, yeah, loved it. I mean, Michigan was great. It was so just all these like really interesting, dynamic people. A lot from the state of Michigan. You kind of got the cream of the crop from you know the state of Michigan, and those people were really interesting and. I don't know. I just dug the school. I felt like there were – you'd go to these great classes with really really good professors and it would be big. And then like all of a sudden like these little pools of people would formulate afterwards and still talk about what we were just talking about. And I'm like that's what school is about. I miss that. Honestly, I miss – A lot of discussion post the discussion. Being that curious. I feel like I still am curious. But I miss being around people who want to pick apart and explore things as much. There was an – you know, there was an – it wasn't – People weren't jaded. Mm -hmm. There was an excitement about learning that didn't go to the part of fanaticism. It was more like, I just want to find out about this or, hey, really, you believe that? Let's talk about this a little bit more. And there was a real push when we were there for like diversity Mm -hmm. and sort of to include everybody. And I don't know. I felt like there were – because it, it was a state school, it wasn't an Ivy League school that you know. But, it, but it, then it also had like great sports and like a lot of fun social stuff. So there was a lot like to do. It kind of was this in this cool little town. Ann Arbor was a great town in the middle of Michigan, and it just was a fun place. Good food, good restaurants, good everything. It was a great experience. It's I a great experience because you you go back there, and we've been back a number of times to perform there, and we have friends that live there who we went to school with who now ha- actually have their families that live there. And you like get you get off the highway, like Highway 23, and you start heading up 
like a certain road and you get to a certain point and it all like comes back to you in a very positive way. It's like a return mm-hmm. home Do you to know, something. Have you read Richard Rousseau? Do you know any of his books? He, he wrote – I know that name. They made movies. They made movies. So. Uh, Empire Falls. Empire oh, Falls. Oh, I'm thinking of Rene Rousseau. Rene. Not really. <laughs> have yes. you read Rene Rousseau? <laughs> She's I, so good. I, she wrote The Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rene uh, Rousseau was the man who turned into Kin. a woman tennis player. No, that was oh. Rene Richard. That's oh, Rene that's Richards. right. Rene Rousseau is, uh, was in yeah. Thomas Crown Affair. That's right. She, she was yeah. also in the Tin Cup. She was in Tin Cup, and she was, she also, was the precursor to the female character on The Shield, who was also a cop. I feel mm-hmm. like she had the same. Whose yes. kids space. go to our kids' preschool? Fantastic. Sure. I uh, have Catherine, a Catherine uh, Dent. So Renee Richards, tennis yes. player, sure. two giant arms. Two I'm giant imagining. Arms. Yeah. Um, she no. She had a giant forehead. And that as well. When I huge cock. <laughs> initially, Ron Richards is that what his when he was Victor? By was? the way, by the way, could have been Renee Richards. Both. That's right. Both I ways. know. Yeah, you know it's like mean? a Terry name. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when I was in New York and when it, one of the. Uh, lean job times I was like I'm just going to look on Craig's because I was a writer and at this point I was freelance um, and I was like I'm just going to look on Craigslist and see what kind of jobs are available here which is not Great a good call. idea Great you call. know what kind of jobs are available on Craigslist something hand jobs <laughs> that's right if only see that I would have no actually hand jobs can be confusing but no it was um, it was a uh, Wait, what did we say? It was Renee Richards' son wanted to write a book about his experiences and was looking for someone to help him write. A ghostwriter. Why not call yeah. Chaz Bono on that one? This Why was not? before that. This was pre Chaz Bono. Yeah, this was when right. it was. Uh, yeah. Be ahead of the curve, for Christ's so sake. Anyway, so, anyway, I had a long conversation with uh, Renee Richards' son. And that was it. How, what was that conversation like? So for a period, of- it was really. He was very. He's like, and I, you know, and I'm going to have you sign tons of contracts. So, but it's very clear. He didn't say tons of contracts, but it was very clear that like I was going to be. If I was going to do it, I would be, whoever they hired. It, like it wasn't even mine yet. Yeah, you know, would be paid just for the book, and they could not come out, come afterwards, and try to get more money. And I was like, it was wow. a money grab. At least Renee Richardson wasn't trying to play off his mother slash father's name. Right. There was some whole. Cr- oh, you know what? Though the book wasn't. I don't even think it was about that. It was like some whole long thing involving drugs, maybe. It was I called forget. The Thomas Crown it was something that didn't go anywhere <laughs> for me. Yes. I don't know what he is doing these days. A I almost l- said he or she, like but Renee, it's just he. A lot like Renee yeah. Richards' penis. <laughs> something that is, didn't go anywhere. Right. <laughs> just disappeared into the ether. The abyss. Uh, wait, wait. Was, she, was this kid born from her or born from Him. Ron Richards' wife? Like where Ron Richards was he a product of his of Renee Richards semen or or her her, womb her eggs semen semen okay I think he grew up with a dad who was a tennis player and um, probably wanted to be a woman but wasn't yet got it yeah good okay so did you guys consider going to different colleges we We did. did we did actually we we kind of applied we applied to the same places and it was more of a it was not a big application process it was like we also because we didn't have a ton of money our parents were like number one it's expensive to apply to a lot of places if if you want to apply to as many places you can but like they were trying to save their money for college because they had to send two kids at one time to mm-hmm. school and so they were more so like, like pick pick they said really pick your best like five four or five, four or five th- colleges hopefully you'll get into one and then that's what it is so we lived in St. Louis we grew up there but we were like all right okay Michigan we kind of were like let's just pick the same ones so we can go on the same trips and just make it easier oh, on right. the family and just do it Said so Michigan because we had a cousin who was like a four months older than us, grew up in Malibu or, or P- 
Palisades out here and then went there. She was a year ahead of us in school. And she was there at Michigan. We visited her and had a blast. Loved it. Okay. And she, we said there, Wisconsin, because if you can't get into Michigan, not that Wisconsin's that much worse. It's not. But it just academically at the time in 1990. Fun school. Fun, fun school. Beautiful Big campus. Big Ten. Whatever. I've never seen Kurds up close. Have you? Cheese curds? Yeah, I have a We're friend about to go who to talks the... all about the slippery, squeaky curds or whatever. Oh, yeah. They make some kind of sound or something. I thought you were talking about Iraqi. Kurdish refugees. <laughs> Iraqi refugees. <laughs> yeah, no, they make some kind of sound. Uh, By the way, if you fry Iraqi refugees, <laughs> delicious. Unbelievable. Talk about so fattening, though. You've got to not do tailgating, that. It's the greatest. Just see an Iraqi refugee on a spit. Just yeah, let me rotating. have one of those bratwurst. Give me uh, one of them curds. I'll have one of those. I'll take a leg. Yeah. Uh, That's what so, they call a cheese curd that falls into the bottom. <laughs> of the fryer. They call it a Kurdish refugee. So we <laughs> we uh, so we applied there and then we applied to Penn and we both got into Penn, which was kind of wonderful. We went to public school mm-hmm. and you, you, there was this sort of Jewish parents. We got into an Ivy League school. What are we going to do with it? We went and visited and I got to be honest with you, a lot of the kids seemed stressed out and not fully happy and that, it was in yes, Philly that's how I felt I was going to go to read I thought that's what I wanted to, where I wanted to go until <clears throat> yeah. I went there and everyone there was telling me about their plans for where they're going to go when they like, transfer yes it's super high <laughs> transfer rate and then yeah. I found Pomona and people were happy but back to you guys no, so but you that's, at, that's the truth yeah and I'm like I, if people aren't this doesn't seem like a happy environment you can't describe it you just go in there and you you, feel, you walk into yeah. a dorm and you feel it and feel everybody's like right. being like competitive over we like met great. some great people met great people there and I feel like we could have had a good time. Or even if one we of us. split. Yeah, if yeah. like one of us went to Penn and the other went to Michigan, we would have had a good time. I really believe that. But I don't know. Michigan had so much more of what we wanted. So we we made the decision independently of each other. Uh, we sat on our own and we literally talked it over individually with our parents and yep. said, this is what we want. This is what I want out of it. And he probably wanted similar things. And then we were just like, all right, we're going to go here. Mm-hmm. It's just easier. If you want to come visit us, you just come up. And I really – this is so funny, but this really will sort of give you a window into our parents. And we didn't have a lot of money. That was the thing. Uh, at the time. At the time. Uh, I yes. think it was Northwest Airlines was offering a deal to fly from St. Louis – to, to Detroit. Detroit for seventeen dollars. Wow! This, this is like also when, when you could like show up to the airport like five minutes yeah. before your flight <laughs> and just like walk into right. the walk right on in. And we were like, "All right, f it. You, we can be back and forth for thirty four bucks." I mean, it was unbelievable. Yeah. We said, "Look, if we want to come home, we'll come home. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be like we're that far away. It was in the Midwest, St. Louis, and I think the seventeen dollar flight clinched it for us." Is that as Thank ridiculous as that sounds? Thank you, Northwest. No, it makes, it so makes sense, though. I'm so glad. I, mean, I don't think they ran that great. like our sophomore, junior, or senior years. Oh. But still, <laughs> as a freshman, it was a great. No, thing. but it was also like cool to be at a school, a, a big school that was far away that w- was not filled with people from our growing up. Yeah, and I think to learn about a new experience. I think growing up. And we had all different classes and we made different friends yeah, there. We had there, some similar I mean, which too. was kind of a bit of a issue because Jay didn't have glasses back then and we were, you know, we would so be. So the glasses, it, you wear the glasses I to, need them. I need them. Oh, and you don't? I don't. My eyesight's perfect. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it goes. That sucks for you. I'm sorry. It's bad. I, mean, I thought maybe this was to distinguish. No. Not Although not it is all. a wonderful distinguishing because tool. Because on your website. Oh, is that? Did I? Am I reading more into this? So the icon oh, is yeah. one has glasses and one doesn't, and then it sort of lines up with the names. And uh, I thought maybe that was a distinguishing thing. It, we're it, lucky that it distinguishes. Yeah. That, that's more we feel like. All right, and I kind of like it. I mean, it's we are weirdly into like that kind of stuff, like glasses. glasses. Yeah, I am. It's a cool accessory. I think in like, high school though, we 
had a great time and had good friends and whatnot, but it wasn't in, in a good way. I think if you're peaking in high school, it's not a good thing. I agree so much. And yet I'm totally okay with the fact that I loved college. Yeah. College I mean, I, is a, no, I, I agree. I, I, I'm suspicious of people who, for whom high school was the best four years of their life. You know why? When if, especially for someone who's funny, and I'm going to say, if you're funny, then you're, then you're immediately into, and if you're into like funny, weird films and weird stuff, then you're immediately different than a lot of yes. people in your high school, especially if you grow up in St. Louis. Where well, we also, there's a, you know, in comedy, and, you know, is what you're trying to do right now with your podcast, as we are trying to do with ours, there's a real premium on being original and being mm-hmm. an individual and standing out amongst everybody. That's the opposite of That's high school. That's what you yes. don't want in high school. High school is all about fitting in right. and being part of a clique and being part of a group. And that's not to say we didn't have our friends and whatnot, but we didn't have like our, you know, these are our, we had a few friends that we really loved and then we were friends with lots of people. Mm-hmm. Individually and together had a lot of different friends. It was not a type of time where we were bullied or treated like crap, although we were when we were younger, but that's just the way people treated younger freshmen and whatnot. But... We weren't like it wasn't a traumatic experience, but it just wasn't the fulfilled experience where you felt like oh. I, I, I remember constantly feeling like in high school. I'm like, I can't wait till I get a little older and people can appreciate what we're trying to do here. It's almost like you were like doing and something. You, you for weren't even a comedy act yet at no, that point. Though, we were, you just meant, or did you just did mean comedy. in life? Oh, yeah. you did, did comedy in, in, in high school. school. Yeah, but yeah. just sensibility. Yeah. Like, you know, it's so funny because like in, in high school, like, you know, girls like the dumb dudes mm-hmm. who are good looking and whatever. That also happens in life. But like if you're a dude who's trying to be nice and funny and like that's your angle yeah. that's your game if your game is like i'm gonna be funny and a little quirky and original and i'll be really nice to you that makes you everyone's friend in high school mm-hmm. that does not make you get the ladies right so it's it was sort of like i was excited for like another place where it that would be appreciated have yeah. you come into your own yet no that'll happen hopefully in my 50s uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think comedy provides that opportunity to do that mm-hmm. in a way that you just we'd never experience. I mean, the, yeah. the fact that we create things and people enjoy it, you go out on and, and, you know, especially with the podcast, too, you go out on the road and people come to your shows and they're, you know, they're appreciative of all the content that you've given them and the body of work that you've done, which now we've luckily been in this business since really doing stuff since like 96. So a long time, 16 was that, years. When was Cheap Seats? And was Cheap that Seats sort was, of the big... Cheap Seats was 2003 to 2000. We started oh, okay. in 2002 and then it went to 2006. It's still They still run it on the air, but mm-hmm. new episodes were done in 2006. We did a show on MTV called Apartment 2F oh, back right. in 97. It was us and Zach you know, and Michael Showalter and Colbert was on the first episode and... Polar. Polar. And I mean, just all the, it was really super fun. Great show done in New York and kind of captured the excitement of the time there. Only lasted one season, which was a bummer, but it got us kind of on the national stage. But, you know, I mean. To, and what was that show about? It was like a sitcom that had short films, stand up and sketches woven into the storylines. It wound up being more sitcom than we sort of like it got developed into that direction Mm -hmm. and And we were too young to know not to like we did a pilot which was so much fun jb smooth did stand up in the pilot uh polar and and the ucb guys ian and matt and uh, matt those guys were just so great they did a sketch within the show and we did bits and we did our stuff and it was more of like a variety show taking place Mm -hmm. in an apartment which i think that's a great idea now the the 30 35 40 year old me goes like that's a cooler idea than doing just a sitcom but then they wanted to develop it that way and we just weren't old enough to know 
know and strong enough to be like, don't do that. That You have a great thing here. You picked up this show. Don't give this show. It also wasn't our idea. I mean, we kind of adopted it and over time it became our thing. But like it wasn't – we didn't bring it in as this thing we were doing on stage somewhere or on the radio somewhere. We didn't bring it in. How so, did it get – You know, it was, it was great. It was kind of a crazy story. I think uh, it was it was originally for two other people, Sam Cedar, who's oh, yeah. hilarious. Air America. Yep. And John Benjamin. John Benjamin, who's just – Has super- a van. John yes. Benjamin's man, so John Benjamin talented. from Archer, and John Benjamin from Bob's Burgers, mm-hmm. and John Benjamin from every home Dr. movie, Doctor Cat, everything. Super talented, so funny, and uh, and I think those guys were doing some stuff together, and they and I guess MTV maybe offered it to them, but they didn't really like it, or they were had other things going on, and they were like, nah, I, I think they were on the downward slide of on the downward curve of doing stuff for MTV. Like it was a period of time where they're like, yeah, we don't need to do this anymore, mm-hmm. and then it was offered to us, and we were like, oh. Yeah, we'll take it right now. Because we were 24. We were like, yeah, this is a great opportunity. Let's but we were too this. young. And, we, and we, it didn't come out the way we wanted it to. Although there were some really fun and funny moments on it and great people on it. David Wayne did a short film on there with Amanda Peet. Oh, wow. Uh, it was just a crazy – when you look back on it, the talent and the people involved, it was super fun and super cool. And we did some funny things that like if those existed in other sitcoms and if we had a larger staff and ability to pull it off and if we were better actors, it would be – it would have been really – great but I feel like if we would do the show now it would be what actually happened for us is we said oh I wish we had a I wish when we were older we would have an opportunity to do this type of show again and then we got cheap seats which kind of became what that could have been Mm -hmm. but on a much smaller scale because we just didn't have the support staff but that show was us watching old weird sporting events and making jokes which was super fun but then woven around that were some sketches sketches and storylines and and runners and John Glazer started writing on it with us and Patrick Borelli like really good people and then we involved everyone in New York I mean the crazy thing was we moved out to LA and then we got this show in New York (laughs) so we moved out to LA in 99 and then got this show in New York in 2002 2003 and we did it for three years did you go back or would you just were you by coastal back and forth we would fly back there and they would put us up like for a week every five weeks and it was amazing because we you know we're stand-ups we would be there working during the day and then we'd go do stand-up at all the cool all it just kept us connected and then because we were doing stand-up there we were connected with the comedy community and we would just be like at a show hey nick kroll who we just met there we got this thing tomorrow do you want to play an elvis gerback impersonator a guy who just only looks like him when you've got the helmet on, but you show up on the set and you don't have your helmet there. So you just don't look anything <laughs> like him and you're very – and he was like, sure. I mean we had just met him. Like mm-hmm. we had heard about him, heard about the Bar Mitzvah book and we were like, ah, dude, I gotta, I, we, should be, we should be old camp friends. Formed this relationship and friendship that started there and then later we worked with him on, on many other things. But the point or is – Eugene just, Merman. Like we'd be like, Eugene Merman, hey, do you want to be the voice of a hot dog? <laughs> yes, of course. And it was great. Comes in. So again, you see him out at night and then bring him in the next day. Mm-hmm. And there was just this sort of and, – and, you know, again, we were away from home. We were we, – both of us were married at the time, I believe. Yeah. And I had start. I had a ba- I mean, my first daughter was born at the tail end of it. So to go to New York, there was just this, like excitement and you're out, you're on your own. It's late at night. You know what I mean? There was like a certain freedom and funness to it as well. Not that being a parent and being a husband is, is not fun or It's freeing. really freeing and fun. It's a about as that's much freedom so much. as you can yeah. have. Yeah. But uh, no, but it, it was really – it was tied up with this. Uh, that's uh, – like anytime like someone says like the Iraqis hate us for our freedom, they're not talking about people who are parents of little kids. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. Because if they hung with that, <laughs> they would like, be like, hour. oh, they, yeah. I'm so sorry. Uh, I did not know. Why no did idea. you guys move to L.A.? 
I think we just realized at the point after we did the MTV show and it got canceled, we made a deal. We went up to Aspen, made a deal right before Aspen to develop a show with NBC and Warner Brothers that ultimately didn't go. But we were flying out here to L- from New York to LA to develop the show. We'd come out once a month perform at Largo. We started performing at Largo. We started really getting into the scene that was out here in the late 90s. And we thought, all right, if we're going to do it, now's mm-hmm. the time to do it. We don't have anything in New York, even though we do 10, 12 sets of comedy a week in New York. Yeah, and New York great. was just amazing for that in the late All 90s. these shows and then you do all the clubs. Like we'd, do, we, we'd get like four spots on a Saturday night, which by the way, wasn't a ton. There were other people like Attell and you know people who are Greg Rogel and like all these people would like go and do like 10, eleven shows, eleven in shows in one night, and you'd have to time it out. You go do stand up New York and then take a subway and down and do Gotham and then go up and do the comic strip and then come back across and take do a stand up New York and then do Gotham and the then late finish. show and then you right. do all the late shows and it was like this, you'd see the same people and it was a real nice community and it was great and you got good. By doing so many sets. I mean, those were, those were some amazing nights where you do your set and it went well or not. I mean, it's a New York crowd. So, like, you kind of had to, like, pummel them from mm-hmm. the second you got on stage and then walk off. And then you'd have this, like, 20 or 15 to 20 minute period to sort of rehash that whole set again as you're on the subway going to the next set. And then you get to do it again right away in front different of Different audience. Hold it. You walk into a whole different room and it's just a whole different setup. You just – you can't help but get good. If you're in, yeah. in those clubs, you just get better. I actually had a, a somewhat of a similar realization when I started doing this show. Because before that, um, a lot of my performing was, you know, at most like once a week or or it was just like come on. I did, I do a lot of – did more than um, a lot of TV stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, if you're good, they'll have you back soon. But right. it's not a set thing. So if, right. you, if I was unsure about how it went, I had this sort of awful feeling of like, God – I just when they you know when they get in touch to bring me on again, then I'll know it went okay, or I'll never hear again. And now I just want to die. Bad right. feeling. Bad feeling. Versus to, to doing to this show, on. knowing like, well, no matter what, there's another show tomorrow. Right. You right. Just clean it up and go yeah. and then go on, move on to the next thing. And there is there's something sweet and beautiful about that. But we were like, look, we got to come out to L.A. to do it. If we're gonna do it, got to come out here. And this is the place you got to do it. Mm-hmm. And this is where there was a great thriving comedy scene out here that we kind of got plugged into a little bit and we thought. All right, we could we could do this out here if we wanted to. It was definitely hard. The first year was super hard. Miss New York a lot. You yeah, know, you, you spend the whole first year going. Oh, God, I got to drive to this thing. Yes. I got to go to this place. I got to do this. You try yeah. and understand it, and LA is just you like try to this. look at it through your New York glasses, and then you go, "Oh, okay, I need to stop." Well, I so I was in New York for a little over eight years, and then I came out here, and I ended up moving um, to a place in Hollywood because I think, in somehow, it like se- seemed like New York. I was looking at it. I was yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was comparing everything to New York, and then right. I'm like, "Oh no, I should have gone to Toluca Lake because that's the Brooklyn of L- or whatever." And like, every- I was wrong about everything, and now I'm moving soon. Thank God. Well, I and good I do you. think you've got it. it. It's a good. That's a good lesson that you got to just sort of make a break and make your own thing with yeah. LA. It's got to be its own sort of thing for you. But I have that same thing too, where I there's certain aspects of it I really miss, just the way it looks. I New mean, York? I definitely yeah. Well, uh, I lived in Brooklyn at the end. Yeah. Um, and I and just miss. Just keeps getting it's cooler. So, yeah. It keeps getting cooler. And it's and, so quaint and cute. Yeah, and it is. There's there, not any of that here. No, there is there's not. not. But there are areas out here that yeah. are great that kind of remind you of that feeling. Like the feeling I get in Brooklyn is I live in Silver Lake. There's a feeling in Silver Lake that is similar to mm-hmm. it. Now it may not look like that, and the streets may not be like that, and it's not like you can walk out and you go into like right. 27 cafes and. 
No. But it, it, there, is a, there is a sense and a feeling that something artistic is happening there and it's just alive in a way that, you know, it makes you happy. Mm. In that, if you dig that sort of stuff, it, it, it definitely makes you yeah, happy. Yeah, we were definitely in New York before Brooklyn was like a place to be for young like, people. Like I remember when Williamsburg was still like a new thing. We had one friend who lived out there. You know, and and it was sort of like, whoa. You were like, Alison Castillo lived out there and she had like a comic, very funny. And she was like, she remember had a party out there. And I just remember, we're like, like, we're where are you guys going for a party? We're going into Brooklyn for a party. People were like, what? Yeah. What are you doing? It's dangerous. (laughs) And we didn't have cell phones back then. They were like, call me on a payphone and make sure that that you made it. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, we went out. Do they have payphones in Brooklyn? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Now you see a show like Girls, which again has nothing to do with us, but it makes me want to go back and be. 25 moving Brooklyn. I know. I know. I'm not even a girl and I love it. Mm. So makes me want to have body issues. It sounds like <laughs> I hope one day you can. It I do, sounds I do like, have body issues. You're talking to you uh, guys you drinking really? Diet Coke. I think so. I think so. I think, wouldn't you know if you do? No, I do. You what are your issues? Eating. I, here's the thing I no vice. I don't really, I don't smoke. I don't really drink super hard. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of drugs. Per food. Se. food is like the Jew drug, right? Yeah, food is the much. Jew drug. Well, because we're destined to also, be when I'm you know, writing, short and or Do you feel this way like when you're creative to like you just the, – the act of putting food in your mouth stimulates your brain? I know there's like maybe not a connection hmm. but like to me I, I can't – I find the act of putting food in my mouth is sort of a relief from the oh, – I'm trying to think of something. I feel like, like it, it's, it's the a reward. sort of breaks it up. I feel like it's the reward for yeah. like anything well done. Good idea. Get a piece. Of, I should be eating some something that's horrible. Get some pretzels. We just came mm. up with a great joke. I need to really let's, stuff this. Come on, in. good joke equals let's fuck that body up. Earned it. Right. Do you guys weigh the same? No. No. Definitely. I don't know. I don't even know what he weighs. I don't think so. I'm less than him. <laughs> I think. Well, we okay. do have our weekly weigh-ins. Yes, weekly weigh-in weigh in, in like uh, our weigh at the MGM thing. in Vegas. We weigh in every week. <laughs> we weigh in every week. Of, uh, Does money change people. hands? It's a, pref- it's a press it conference mm-hmm. of sorts. Yes. When did you guys decide you wanted to do comedy? Early, young, young teens. Yeah, we were like super fans of comedy. We were comedy nerds before there were really comedy nerds. I mean, like watched. I'm sure, all- there were comedy nerds. I mean, before there were that before was, it was like a, a thing, a thing right. to be that. We just were nerdy and you know the thing was we learned all these people's stand-up acts like even just – and now I think about it. Like now we're peers with all the people who back in the day – it's like we're part of that scene now. Mm-hmm. But back in the day we looked at those people like, oh, what a great joke and this I just remember like a guy like Kenny Rogerson. That's a guy who probably a lot of people don't know. Like if you talk to most people from the 80s, do you know this guy? No. He was a big comic from, uh, Boston. from Boston. But he kind of didn't have a Boston feel. He almost had like a southern feel to him. But he, but he did this book. I remember on a special he did a joke about like – He's like someone was busted for. He was busted trying to smuggle, smuggle books. books. He was busted was trying to smuggle books into Kentucky, but he got off on a technicality because no one could actually prove that they were books. <laughs> Phenomenal joke, great twist. Like joke at the beginning, joke again later that you didn't see coming. Two powerful like knocks and jabs at people who aren't smart. It was just this like power packed thing that I remember going, "That's brilliant, that's great," and nobody knows that that just happened. Mm-hmm. No one in our sphere. No one. How in our did world. you encounter him? Just on Watched cable, it. we on ca- you know. I think our our dad is pretty funny, but not certainly knowledgeable about comedy. What like does he, he do? He was no longer alive, which is a bummer. But he owned his own business for years, was a salesman, and okay. kind of does what we do: pitches himself and <laughs> pitched himself, and 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 sold a lot of stuff based on just being a really sweet, gregarious, awesome guy. Like in 
gaining people's trust and like on a lot of levels, you know, just being really yeah, great. He sold alteration supplies and like so anytime you get uh, any like clothing the, like tailored the little needles, chalk or, yeah, or whatever chalk, they all use. Of it, all oh, of it. Mm. So needle thread, so, chalk, wow. buttons. So and and he would go to like towns and he would, you know. Well, by the way, he didn't make it. It's not like he made better buttons than someone else. Right. He had the same stuff that you get from everyone else. And he was the so they lived St. Louis difference. The difference was him. He's there are like, five companies. That, exactly. There are five companies that sell the exact same shit. So how, why are you going to go with this person other than that person? Because the was, guy calls up and says, I need uh, three things a button. Before you do that, my dad's going to tell him three stupid jokes. And he's going to rap about his kids. And he's going to just connect or the woman and see he remembered everybody's names. He was like so – he was that kind of person mm-hmm. who people just loved to talk to. And so not like a book smartish dude, but a guy who like just excelled in that environment and loved being the and, and this is what I can relate to now. Just he he loved being the king of his castle. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we could do anything else. Like we I, we both went got into law school. and were almost ready to go to law school. And we were just like, ah, I can't do this because that's what everybody did in 94 yeah. pre-internet. It's like, you know, what are you going to do? You're a Jew. You have a uh English degree or a history degree or whatever. What are you, political science? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? And then you're like, well, let's go to law school. And we were ready to go like so many of our friends did who now most of them are out of law. They're like, why the fuck did I do that and spend $180,000 on an education that I had to pay off? Thank God we didn't go down that road. But I think you know, for our dad, he was just like, I'm going to do this thing and be the head of it and not have to answer to anybody. He loved that idea of not having to answer to anybody and kind of run it his own way. Mm-hmm. But he brought – but he like taught us from an early age, I feel like, just by showing that like being funny is a great way to connect with people. And so we always kind of appreciated comedy. He, I remember we used to drive on Saturday mornings. There was a show in St. Louis on KMOX, which is like their big – they do all the Cardinals games. It's like sort of like the big AM flagship AM. station. And they used to have a show, this guy Jack Carney in the morning, his son, who we are now friends with. John Carney is a great radio broadcaster. And uh, he used to do a show called the Saturday Morning Comedy Show. And they just would play old, old clips of comedy like Abbott and Costello and uh, Alan Sherman. Songs. Hello, Mutta. Yeah, all, those, <laughs> all those old songs. And like, you know, I mean, they probably played like like Jackie Gleason, like Honeymooners clips and old stuff. It was mainly old comedy from like the figure show of shows and that kind of stuff. And so we would listen to that. And hear that as he would drive us around on a Saturday morning. That was what was on in the car. And you hear people laughing and you hear some funny things that maybe you don't understand. You see your dad laughing and you start to be like, oh, this is Mm -hmm. – And I'll never forget this. When Airplane came out, our uncle who lived in – we had another uncle, my dad's brother. Okay, My mom's brother's daughter went to Michigan with us. She's the one who lived in the Palisades. But my dad's – younger brother both of his brothers actually lived out in Los Angeles one lived in Woodland Hills the other one lived in Orange County in Anaheim and he worked for an appliance store, Phil and Jim's, which is a major appliance store in Southern California. Oh, I know Phil. Uh, Gary and I are both from Orange County. Okay, Phil so you know Phil and Jim's. So of course. Uncle Bob worked for Phil and Jim's. Phil and Jim's. Phil and Jim's. They were in those commercials. The, oh, really? Kids, the like, kids are in those commercials. My, my cousins. And so they – so he sent us out a Hitachi – VCR that was. Which, by the way, I've still never heard of Hitachi. Never heard of Hitachi ever. And the only thing, the thing about it, it was the remote was connected with a wire. Oh, and it yeah. didn't reach where our couch where it was. So the remote. That's why they called it Hitachi because everything's <laughs> attached to the goddamn so, thing. Like you couldn't even. Pre- but 
That's like the shitty Barbie dream car. Yes. The one that I had, the yellow, the Barbie sports car. I don't know what that is, but yes. Um, There was one car on a remote, and then there was the Barbie sports car. And I didn't even like Barbies or cars, but I didn't. And I also didn't like this toy. It was a You gotta get it. But you had to, yeah, you had to walk behind it like 10 feet with the remote because it was attached by a wire. That's the worst. The fuck is that? The worst. It's terrible. So, so anyway, they sent us that, and then he, I remember our parents got Airplane, the movie, when it came out. Or shortly after when it came mm-hmm. out on, on video. I guess it was like 1980 or something or 1981, whatever. We were like eight or nine. They had people over at our house <laughs> to a, watch. A viewing party. Yeah. A viewing party yes. for Airplane, which we never did for any other movie. We never did that for any other movie. It just made it so important. And then here was this movie that was the funniest fucking movie we've ever seen. Like – and I would say still to this day, there are things in that movie that just make me laugh. I've seen it a million times. I can do every line to that movie. And we just thought to ourselves, oh, shit, this is important. And we're mm-hmm. nine. So I think that I think got we a little us older. Me. I think we might have been like 10 or 11. We were 10, but we were like, oh, this is important. This is like – look at what everybody's laughing and it's just like this amazing – to create this thing that – Blazing makes- Saddles. I remember when Blazing Saddles was like a big thing that like everyone started to like talk about and watch and and that was something that was really important and we saw Mel Brooks as like Young Frankenstein. But mm-hmm. when those two movies, it was like – Airplane, Young Frankenstein, and Blazing Saddles, that triumvirate of movies kind of like really held so much weight in our family and in our world. And it was like, oh, this is really like the highest level. If you can make the room laugh, that's a big deal. I think that opened the door for us to be like, oh, we should study comedians. Cause mo- and then most people weren't at the time. It wasn't like Comedy Central existed. This is 10 years before Comedy Central. And so most people didn't know. Kenny Rogerson or any of these other people and or Bob Nelson or you know Robert Townsend we'd watch the young the young comedian special on Rodney Dangerfield and we'd learn like Seinfeld's five minute act from that show <laughs> and we'd do it people, our parents friends the, the bit about the, his bit about the the uh shower stuff like the hair on the wall that you can't come down you have to go to the thing to get a pool of water and throw it on the head it hangs on it doesn't want to go down like all that stuff because nobody was really doing that type right. of observational humor on on you know on the national level that like we would see if we you know we weren't going to comedy clubs so we just weren't in a comedy scene at all and so when you see that and it's suddenly like connecting and you're like I mean we love Seinfeld Seinfeld did a special did a second HBO or like his full HBO special with like the serials and like there was like sketches that were taking place in that supermarket and I remember we were like this is the funniest guy out there we were like how is he how does he literally eight, late 80s we're like how does he not have a TV show how does he not like, like I remember his special came out and we couldn't wait like the commercials leading up to we couldn't wait for it we saw him in St. Louis we waited like camped out for tickets to see him in St. Louis and we were like this guy is the best we saw him at like a 1,000 seat not even like like 800 seat theater and and he blew us away and we were like you know it's such a shame that he's not do you still, such a shame is correct do I still feel that I way feel about Seinfeld do you still enjoy that? comedy in that pure way I still feel that Seinfeld may make it at some point he'll get a shot <laughs> I don't know well guys the marriage ref is you know <laughs> doing doing our <laughs> right. love Tom Papa uh, but yeah no do, do we still enjoy comedy that way mm-hmm. yes Yes, because yes. I talk to people who, for whom, seeing stand up in clubs, people who are stand ups, it's like it, it, that is work to them because their brain is just doing all sorts of calculus while they're watching. I get it, totally get, I get it. And sometimes comedy can be very mathematical as you start to say like, oh, I got to come up with a joke for this, or here's the premise, and here's the thing, and I got to get from A to B. And it's also very hard to be like to watch someone who's younger than you just like destroying and yeah. like really doing so well, and you're like, oh, are we too old? Are we out of the game? What are we doing? 
doing here or, you know, to watch somebody who's, you know, just somehow figuring it out in a way that you're not. I mean, it's very easy to watch other comics and feel super self-conscious about your own comedy. It's also super fun. You know, if we've been to festivals where we're around a bunch of other comedians, like we went to Sketchfest in San Francisco last year and like – you know that was ridiculous. It was so fun to watch our in friends. In a car, dr- like first of all, again as parents, all we do regular to the regular day is take care of people. Mm-hmm. Well, I realized I am the assistant in swimming with sharks. That's who I am. He's like, I want this in this bowl, and you're like, <laughs> fuck, this bowl's not. It's it's in the dishwasher. Well, get it. I fe- I'm like, when did my son become Kevin Spacey? I don't understand what's going on it's right ambiguously now. Ambiguously gay. He's like, <laughs> just get it. I'm like, well, no. Oh, and so then you know it's you one just of those... you're constantly doing for you're strapping people in right. you're taking them places you're walking. So you places. have two daughters. Yeah, I have one son. Okay, it's a lot of work. You're just like you're you're constantly working for somebody else, and then you go on to a festival and they're like your mm-hmm. car is downstairs and waiting for you. There'll be someone to take you to this place and go here, and there'll be a tray of food for you guys in the back. I mean that's what happens when you go and you do stand up at mm-hmm. clubs. People like take care of you, and the car picks you up at the airport. And it is I, I feel like we need that in our lives every once in a while just to remind ourselves like oh. Yeah, we've achieved some things, and it's nice to have you know people supporting you and and being a part of like a large. I think thing. we really appreciate it when it does happen. You really appreciate it. So you get into a car with all these other comics like Rich Fulcher and Tig Notaro and Kyle Dunnigan, and you're in there driving to the venue from the hotel, and it literally so fun. dying like doing the worst Carson impression. Imp- <laughs> everybody, everybody like Tig's Carson impression. And Tig hates it and he loves it, and so that eggs him on, and this makes this guy do this and these guys do that and all of a sudden there's an inside joke and everyone's cracking up and then you and you show up at the venue and then and you, your sides hurt because you're laughing so hard and, and then you like, watch your friends on stage just destroy and you feel so good and you can't wait to get on stage and do what you do so that they laugh at what you you're doing you know what it is I think because being part of a in, in comedy in many ways is very individual other than you know although when we do it we're part of something we're part of this two minute do you, do you do you ever do stand up separately we have done we have done stuff separately. separately I think it's more fun for us to do it together we haven't fully once it gets tired this gets tired for us we'll stop Mm -hmm. we'll definitely stop and not do it and we won't beat a dead horse that's what we both sort of agreed but i feel like there's more things for us to explore in this relationship and we haven't fully done it the way we want to do it and so there's more time for us to do this but i think for most people it's very individual but you get around comics especially when you go to like the montreal comedy festival or somewhere else which we just were at and that was phenomenal it's like there's this moment where everyone finishes your shows and this is you're talking about like a hundred to 150 com- comedians, most of which you know, most of whom you know, and people you're friends with and you're excited to see who you never get to see. When you're on the road, you go to your place and right. you're the comic in that city. You're the person who's doing it that night. And so to come to another town, another country, Montreal, it's so beautiful. You know, Canada is so great. That town is so beautiful. And then to do shows and then everyone show up. Like the shows are like incidental. It's the hanging out afterwards. You feel like you're part of a, a gang. You feel like, th- you're like this is why Bruce Springsteen had the E Street Band. You know what I mean? It's like they they're part of something that then goes out and kicks ass and mm-hmm. you come back and I don't know there's just this like camaraderie and sort of like we're part of something mental we're part of a it's, group it's interesting that you guys are if I could put words in your mouth yearning for community when, when we are part we yes. ourselves are a community yeah I think I, we've always done that yep I, I've always wanted more and love being a part of something larger and I always like you know 
look, stand-up comedy and, you know, podcasting, creating something, creating content for people to enjoy, number one, means you're risking something. You're putting yourself out there for people to shit on it yeah. and to love it. By the way, easier to shit on something than it is to build so something. Mu- so much easier. And, and, I, and I've talked about this on so many things. I hate the Twitter culture <laughs> uh, example of somebody – Answering somebody else's like question about whether or not they think you're funny by including your name in their yes. response of hatred. It's yeah. like, why just do tell that? A, tell that person they suck. Why yeah. do you? It's on par with letting someone know you're unfollowing them. Yeah, yeah. you don't need to. <laughs> right. You don't need to do that. Yeah. Just do it. Just yeah. fucking go do it. Just you're, don't vote. You're clear. <laughs> you're clearly trying to send a message to, to, someone, to, yeah. to these people that you hate their stuff. Now, obviously, we we. I mean, if everyone loves your stuff, then you're shitty you know i mean no one's gonna but happy yeah, <laughs> you're happy. rich but you're like saying to yourself uh, maybe i should be out on the limb a little bit more yeah yeah i mean you're not i mean you should have right, people you're not hate. pushing any boundaries right we had adam on our show on our podcast and there were like i'm not even joking like we normally get about 10 15 comments on our comment page mm-hmm. about thing he's a controversial person yeah they were like he's become more so of like 47 yeah. comments for that one thing and it's not even a week and that's yeah. like so many comments on the thing and, you know, look, I have to say in my mind, I, I don't really give a shit because I feel like he's funny to me and we enjoy him and we, we love him. We don't have to agree with everything he says. We don't have says. to agree with everything he says. We don't have to agree with everything our fans say at, at certain times. And not to say that – by the way, there are people who liked it and people who didn't and people who liked certain things and didn't. So and very also, also, I will say this. There have been times where our fans have been like, I wish you guys would stop doing this or can someone – I wish you guys – kept doing this you stopped doing that and we've sat down and talked about it. And we're like why did we stop doing that that's such a great call why did we stop doing that let's do that again or what so there, it's just not it's not to not be listened to at all i actually think people who with constructive criticism and i wish mm-hmm. i wish there was if we can do anything in our lives it would be to engender the fat re-energize the idea of debate happening so yeah. that like people aren't just like you're a faggot you're an asshole yeah fuck it gets you, to that you. level so quickly so, so quickly that there's what, no what, what happened to like hey i don't think the look if someone's like i don't think these guys are funny because of x y and z all right you don't like this. And you know what? Maybe that hurts our feelings. Maybe it, it exposes a limitation in what we do. And maybe it shows us that, hey, we'll never get to be this type of comic. And I wish that person liked us, but they don't. Or maybe it would just be like, well, you don't fucking get it. You mm-hmm. just explained. You just showed how you don't get it. So it could go either way. But I'd rather hear that than fuck those faggots right. or those. I hope they die of AIDS or whatever <laughs> stuff, which people tweet. And you're like, are you serious? Are or you I'll ser- put on comment pages. I mean, the, bo- the comment pages are really... So it's the worst of the worst. The worst of the worst because it's anonymous people just like taking pot shots from like their – the freedom and the sort of safety of their own anonymity. So you said that um, you were like – not to get too lofty but – or too technical but you feel like there's something postmodern in what you're doing because there's not a straight man. Right. Um, Can you just say a little more about that? Like do you feel in your act that you guys play the same type of role? No. I think what we do is we – we view ourselves as like we have these ideas that are like stand-up premises that like one person could have this stand-up premise. But the way we're going to show you how it gets played out, we what we've learned how to do a little bit more is to involve more of our acting and so act out a scene. So like if we have a bit about – which we do in our comedy about how – you know. Reading stories to your kids is a wonderful thing and it's actually the thing that you look forward to before you have kids and then you have them and it's even more beautiful, beautiful than the thing it is. But then 
Unless they pick a shitty story, and then it's like you're worse <laughs> than worst being stuck thing. in a Chilean mine. Yeah, you know at least I mean? it's those like, people can die or get <laughs> you're sucked in this thing, and people don't care, and you're in it for weeks. So, you know, my kids really liked fairy tales. Again, this is a true story. I'm like, how, why do you like this shit? It's so poorly written, and and then you're like, how did these stories stand the test of time? And blah blah blah. So we go into that whole thing about that, and we go into a whole thing about Snow White being a just the worst third act ever and it's just they live happily ever after really not true especially if you're married and they're supposed to get married I think marriage is just a major compromise even though I'm in it and I love my <laughs> wife it's great but I don't know how happily ever after can exist anywhere it's no, just, you're choosing when you choose to be married you're choosing not not necessarily to be happy but to like share a life with somebody like that's what you're choosing you're like choosing- we jokingly say you you may learn to live with your partner's idiosyncrasies and then make a very difficult peace with that you may like go to years of therapy and then come to understand what hole inside of you that person <laughs> filled and make a difficult piece with that. For 18 years while your kids are in college, in the house, like you live in an emotional desert between you and your partner. And then when they go off to school, want to smother your partner with a pillow while she's watching Top Chef Masters and then make, make peace, peace with, with that. that but, but you're never going to live happily ever after. And so the, you get to – especially the way Snow White and her husband wet, met you think in about weird how they met. circumstances under which so, they met. So that's the premise. A regular stand-up would maybe continue on that line. But for us, what we say is, okay, so what we're going to do now, just because we can, and there's two of us here, we're going to just do in our minds. This is what we would imagine a a conversation between Snow White and her husband eight months after they've been married (laughs) at the breakfast table. As she's starting to figure out – Or trying to understand how did you meet me and like what is the origin of this whole thing. Because you know, like there's that moment in every relationship where the person like goes back and rewinds to like five minutes right before that person was in their life. And you're like, how did we come together? And so this – this so we end up playing out a whole scene, which has been really fun to do on stand-up stages because it's so unexpected and you literally get into the scene where he's the – the Prince Charming and I'm Snow White and it's really a relationship between a husband and a wife that are trying to figure out who and they are. already on each other's nerves and it's breakfast and he's trying to, he's making breakfast and he's resentful that he's cooking for her and she's trying to dance around the idea of maybe I just want to get, I want to have the type of relationship necro- where we can talk about these things <laughs> and I need like, to know if you're a necrophiliac because that's supposed <laughs> to change like what I feel like I can give you because I'm like, not What is this like, going to be? And again, it supports our theory that like you can't live happily ever after unless these guys don't explore any of this stuff. So one stand-up who's by himself might go like, marriage is a compromise and talk about how marriage is a compromise. We choose to take this example, explore this notion and play out a scene. Here's another example. And this is, you know, again, because material is material and you go from what you know. And we have kids. And look, I have kids that almost around the same age as like Louis C.K.'s kids. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do material that he's doing. And, you know, again, we're such huge fans of his and whatnot. But he's got a – he did a – we've been doing a joke that was on our CD for a long time about – a whole bit about – Writing jokes with – again, it's similar. Writing jokes with my seven-year-old daughter and just how there are a lot of restrictions on that process. You can't be that funny. You can't be that dirty. edgy. You can't be that dirty. It's like writing for Leno. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's like it's sort of like there are all these pieces. restrictions. Mm-hmm. And so the way we sort of played it out is because there's two of us. Again, I do a joke that – and Jay gets mad at me when well, I, I mean, write jokes. I mean, and the heart of that is what, the, how the bit got started was he told me that he was doing that with his daughter. And I'm like, well, that sucks. Because here we are, like, banging our head against the wall, trying to, like, ring, get blood from a stone as we're trying to create new material. That's what it feels like sometimes when you when it's not flowing. Like, some weekends, you just come up with five new minutes of material, and then it's a magical weekend. You know, it's – like, listen to Bob Dylan. 
but when Bob Dylan talks about the time in the '60s when like he was writing a ton of crazy shit, he would like you know watch that documentary, No Direction Home. Like you even hear what other people say about him. Like he would sit down at a typewriter at like an eight at night, and then at eight in the morning he would have written like like a Rolling Stone, like no shit, like twelve verses, and then eight other verses that got lopped off from the song. It just flows through you. You can't predict when you're going to sit down and write comedy. You can't force yourself to write new comedy ever. And so you know, I get mad at Randy when he writes these like when he's like writing material with his daughter because it's so restricted that there's no, we can never do those jokes in our act, and he's wasting the comedy writing juice. From his brain, so I'm like, well, no, no, no. Let's let's try and use it. Let's let's try and use. It. So I'll do a joke that I did with my daughter, and then, then we the, wrote together. And the bit was, then I would do a joke, try and take that joke and, and doctor do- it up so that we could use it. So we're not just going to show you the doctored up version. We're going to show you the first version, and then we'll show you where it goes. So one of the jokes that I wrote with her, which was a real joke that we wrote, why was the bagel standing outside of his house crying? Why was the bagel standing? Outside? Because someone had changed all his locks. <laughs> Right, it's a good for Leno, but anyway. And then Jason's so like, "All right, I'll try and doctor that." Let me die. So, why was the bagel standing outside of his house crying? Why was the bagel standing outside of his house crying? Because he is a Jew. <laughs> so that's it. You, but the point is that, like, that's we do three of those. But it's like the interesting thing about that is that's our take on it. Okay. Yeah. Whereas I know Louis got the whole jo- he had in his show the whole thing about I love he did it on you know he did it on I think Letterman or wherever where he was like or Conan. That his daughter telling a joke is the greatest thing in the world. Like, why was the why did the gorilla why did they let him into the ballet? Because the people who made up the rules said you can't go in there. And he's like, it's so honest and truthful, and that's what it should be. And so, I think you know. Again, I was like, oh man, he's doing a thing about his kids doing jokes, and we do our thing too. But it's different. Yeah, it's, it's very different. It's very different. And so, I think what we try and present is like. So therefore, it's not like I'm the smart guy who came with this premise and brought it in. Jason, you be the dummy and we'll do the – Right. It's, it's not like, Smothers Brothers. Right. No, it's, it's like not. here is a premise. How Here's an interesting fact in the world and this is something that we've experienced and this is how we engage with it. Now we're going to be able – the way we play it out in a funny way is we're going to do it either we're acted out together or there's just – it's going to be like this – two-person tag team thing and it just is different than one person doing it and I think sometimes it's awesome but then there are some times when an audience doesn't understand it can't catch up with what you're trying to do or the pacing isn't the right thing a lot of times on TV sometimes where like a TV audience is ready for yeah, setup like we've, punchline we've, we've had a hard time in the short like four four minute 30 second sets on TV we you know some of them have worked out fine but other ones where bits that we do in clubs that just crush or do really well for us like we're we're suddenly out there on a limb going, well, are you serious? This isn't getting a good response. Mm-hmm. Or this joke, which like, you know, any comic will tell you when you have like 12 jokes in a bit, you got the first joke. When they, If they laugh at that, then they're going to love the sixth joke and the ninth joke. But if they don't laugh at the first joke, then those two jokes are fucked. Then, the, then you're hoping they laugh at the third joke because that's also – kind of the same vein of like the eighth joke and the twelfth joke. So it's like that kind of thing and you know, you start doing the math in your mind and then you're suddenly not in the moment and you're not having a good time. So I think we're just a different pacing and we're still and that goes back to your question of would we do comedy apart? I just think we have more to figure out together in what we're evolving towards. I don't even know what that's gonna be in mm-hmm. stand up. But like if we can get there, I'd like to keep trying. So I'm asking you, Randy, would you please keep <laughs> yes. doing comedy? And I'm asking you, Allison, can we keep trying? Please do. Okay, and to change gears slightly, um, you guys are both married. Did you guys get married around the same time? No. no. I got married in 2001. 
it was like a very different time. I got married like pre nine eleven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nine eleven today when we're recording yes. this. But like, I got married June twenty fourth, two thousand and one. We went to Bali for our honeymoon, which is a place that was later attacked. And you know, it was it was truly, truly wonderful, and it was amazing, and but crazy because I came back, and he, Jay, had been in a relationship for five years with a girl who I thought he was going to marry. We yeah. all thought he did, and they broke up. So I got back, and they were we broken. all did except for her. No, <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, but then I, then I was single for a while, and then uh, and then I met my wife for a year or so later, and our, we dated for a while, and so. You know, there was a period where he was newly married and mm-hmm. I was totally single and living by myself. Yeah, what was it? Were you guys li- living together before that? No. We, okay. we, we lived together briefly when we came out here. And then when I had met he my wife in, with in New wife. York and then I moved in with her. Mm-hmm. And, and I moved in with my girlfriend at the time. And then I lived alone that year when I was, you know, by myself. And then shortly after that, like I moved in with my wife. What was that like for you being alone during that time? It was great. I mean, it was super hard. But like in the end, for me, I, I loved it because I got a chance to just you know, live a different life than I had lived for mm-hmm. a long time and be and being in a different place than him comedically was interesting too. when we, we tried to write some comedy about that as we were going through that. And we would do a show called The Uncabaret, which was Beth Lapidus' show. Oh, I remember. Where did you see that? We did it at the HBO Workspace, <laughs> which is now the Comedy Central Workspace or it's some other. Now it's I don't know what it is, but it was right on Seward, that theater right there. Mm-hmm. Little cool little black box theater. And we started doing some of that stuff. And that show was a show where you weren't allowed to do your material. You just sort of had to talk about your life and it's just funny people telling real stories about their lives and that would be funny and so it's so funny is like I'd, ta- I'd tell a story about my honeymoon and how great it was and how like we were playing with monkeys in Bali it was so great you were feeding monkeys it was just you know like and this. I would just be like and I sat in my room <laughs> and just listening Darkness. to Bell and Sebastian <laughs> but no and there were times like that where I was like alone and nothing was going on and I was by myself and I was like this is really shitty and but it was a good thing for us because it showed that like we can be in different directions we don't mm-hmm. have to be on the same page and I think which which I think comes back to our act is like that's a way more nuanced approach to that act. Sometimes we're totally on the same page. Sometimes we're opposed to each other. Sometimes we're two heads of the same side arguing an issue and backing each other up. And then sometimes we're stopping each other. And that's the more sort of real representation of what any relationship mm-hmm. is. A marriage, you know, do, two best it, friends. Do you, off stage, do you guys fight a lot? Oh, we fight. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, in the same way that people who work together yeah. and our I th- brothers I think we fight. fight a lot less now in our lives because this, this work relationship and what we do is our relief. I get most of my fighting done with my children. Yeah. <laughs> Take it out of my kids. I like I, if if someone recorded me, just like get downstairs, get downstairs, get downstairs. Put your shoes on. Put your shoes. Put them you on. Have got put them on. Your sister's your gonna be late. <laughs> your sister is going to be. I mean, it's like that, when you're done, when you do that for like hours, and then you put your then you like have a chance to like get together. It's like you no, don't want to. Let's fight. eat some pretzels and write comedy. It's like actually, it's true. It's a peaceful thing. It's I, I was watching. Uh, I was Hard Knocks. This mm-hmm. this season of Hard Knocks has been amazing because Miami is like amazing. just imploding like Ridic- all over the place. ridiculous. So right? the end of that last episode where the plane backs into another plane, crazy. That's how, crazy. Can, you, how can you plan for that? You, you can't. That's fucking awesome. You can't. And like they, the producers of that. I know the guys on the team were really upset about that at times some of them were but like the producers of the show must have been like fucking thank you jackpot. Jesus yeah it was it was it was phenomenal but there was one moment in there where like you know and I'm not knocking having kids by the way we love having kids it's just a ton of hard work and it's definitely like antithetical to the co- to doing comedy and creating comedy comedy and stand up comedy is a single man or single woman's game 
That is it. You stay up late every night. You go out every night. You do shows every night. You live in your head. You live in your head. Every night is a partner who who it just accepts that you go do that. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're doing really well, then you'll have adulation and you'll have probably offers of sex from people like in the crowd. So your person has to be totally secure of that. If you're not doing well, it's a real narcissistic kind of pursuit. It's super narcissistic. In order to be great, you got to have all. It's got to be ego driven in that way. Do you both have partners who are cool with? With all those aspects of it, I'm Sometimes. not talking about the offers of sex, but I mean the sort of. Well, we don't you know. get a ton of our our, our fans tend to be dudes. Uh, so there aren't hey, they can offer sex. They can yes, offer they sex can. too, and sometimes they do. They but do. Uh, and I'm flattered from both sides of the plate. Honestly, I'll take a compliment take from either side of the plate. Uh, no, but I yeah, think sometimes our, our sometimes wives, our are, wives great. are sometimes <laughs> they're great. Sometimes our wives are great. Sometimes no. they are great, and I think they're different. I mean, my wife yeah. used to do a little comedy, and so she okay. like it's long, long ago. She understands what it's like to stand on stage. How difficult it is to stand I, on stage. I can't imagine. I, I honestly think that they are how anyone would be. You know, in any in these situations, how I. I would probably be if I wasn't a comic and I was dating a comic. I would probably at times be like, you're not seriously going out again tonight to mm-hmm. do comedy after like three nights in a row. Or I'd be like, great, go. I want to hear about it. Or I don't want to hear about it. Or tell me about it. I mean, it's like, like we, we, we're we doing, we're going out of town this week and we're going to, when is this thing going up? Is this? Uh, in a few, in, a, in three weeks. Three weeks. Okay. So I, I'm not going to promote this show. This will already be gone. But we're going out of town this weekend to do show in Omaha at this very cool theater, The Waiting Room, and then the next night we're in Columbus, Ohio. Then the next day we're throwing out the first pitch at the uh, Indians-Tigers game at, at the Progressive Field in Cleveland. Then that night we're performing at a cool club in Cleveland. Very excited about that trip for a lot of reasons. Throwing about out a first pitch is like a dream of ours. Doing these shows and working in rock clubs and we know that our fans are coming out to these shows. Very, very excited about doing that. But, you know, it's like I'm in my mind, I'm like, we should be going out like a couple nights this week to just do material, just, just to get right back in the flow before we go out there and do it. My wife, I just talked to her before I got here today, and she's like, are you home tonight? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, yay. Yeah. And I was, it's like that moment in the split screen in Annie Hall where it's like, you guys having sex? And she's like, Ugh, all the time, three times a week. And then the, his therapist is like, you having sex? And he's like, never, three times a week. <laughs> and so I think there's that aspect of it too. We always feel like in – We're never us, out enough. I'm like, I'm, we're, I'm, we're, if we were really serious – there are times where I'm like, if we were serious, if we ever have a bad set or we're trying new stuff and it's not working, I'm like, we are not going out doing comedy enough. But if you go out and do comedy all the time, then you're a shitty partner. Yeah, that's all you have. Especially if your partner works during the day. And so you know, it's like those, those things are just hard. Hard. It's, it's just great. It's just to grapple with whatever. Most people deal with like there are firemen who have to deal with like coming out of a building and they don't kids. understand real yeah, problems. But I, I haven't like had us. them on this podcast. That's right. so. But and what I'm saying, I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to pump up what our stuff. This is just the stuff that we have to sort of deal and, with. And what do both your wives do? My wife is a therapist and my wife's an interior designer. Has her, own, has her own company, which is another thing. Same you know, with my wife. Building your own yeah. business is like they're a, both. They both run their own. We business. have to support that too. I mean, the crazy thing is, I'm like, I don't know how we're doing this and trying to maintain a normal life where you're a unit, family unit, and provide and all that other stuff. It's it's uh, to me, it's a tremendous balancing act. And there are moments where I'm like, this is a house of cards. If one thing <laughs> fell, we'd all. And by the way, I feel like I can't get sick. If I got sick and was laid up for like three or four days. Our house would fall apart, you know, like everywhere. Or, or, or I got a jury duty notice, and I was like, fuck, you know, technically, I guess I could do it, but like, that means that a week. I'm ready to use the N word just to get out of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
which is no, I won't go to jury duty. <laughs> I mean, I, seriously, I was really like, I don't know, man. I don't think I can do that. I mean, what if I got to stay open? What if we get a job? Yeah. I mean, I really have to tell them no and just keep lying. I don't know what I'm going to do. And so, like, you know, when you live kind of like that at times, you're sort of like, what the hell am I doing? I'm 40 years old and I'm living like this. I'm yeah. dodging shit. But, I mean, that's sort of – That's the, part, of it. That, part of it. That's the downside. And the, the upside, the upside is, is we're throwing out a fucking first pitch this Sunday at a baseball – and, and it's born out of the fact on the on the back of what we've created, you know, the, our career, like kind Who's of up throwing to this moment. it. I think we're both going to get. Gonna, it. They're both going to throw it. This, our dream is that, and we'll obviously when this airs, it will have already happened. But uh, who threw it? <laughs> we <laughs> both threw it. did. What happened was, uh, I think what I'd love to have happen, but we need to get somebody from the Indians to sort of do this with us. Is one of us throws the first pitch from the mound, and then the pitching coach comes out, gets the ball away. Brings in Jason or whoever from the bullpen, and then we. Do and then it. I want to throw at someone. I want to throw yeah. at someone's head. That's absolutely. I want to throw at the. Ca- I hope you pull that off. At the color guard. That's <laughs> just the, like, throw the, the nine-year-old girl who's singing the national anthem. Just whoosh, the idea of the pitching coach yanking the first right, pitch. and yeah. then and then That's you go out. Brilliant. You go out. Thank you. And I think Randy, That's you excellent. You I have, have been to practicing like, free and get angry. By the way, I've been working on throwing a hook. Now it's <laughs> and I've been working throwing Kent Tacolvi submarine style. Have you ever seen someone submarine a pitch, Dan no. Quisenberry style? Never. I'm gonna do that shit. So we're, you know, we're taking it seriously, but we're really excited. And that's like this moment where you go, holy crap, you know, look what we got to do. Look, look what we're getting to do. It's a gift. It's amazing. I I feel so blessed, you know, to come to a city and like have your fans come out and see your show. I mean, if you were a stand up, you would see like straight out of, you know, if you were traveling and doing shows Mm -hmm. that your podcast fans are like gold. They're like the best. They know you so well inside and out. Yeah. Well, I do this, I do my podcast live sometimes. So, so, you so I, I you know what it. you mean. Yeah. You get it. So when you, they come out, they are they're privy to all of your inside details yeah. and what you share on the show. They feel like they know you. And so it's the best fans ever. And so for us, that's just a treat to go out and do that. And, you know, we have to deal with sometimes, you know, you leave someone at home who has to deal with everything. And so you deal with bummers that happen when you're gone. But like ultimately it's it's super fun. Gift. Phenomenal. All right. I think we, we don't have very much time, but I think quickly we should do just me or everyone. Okay. Let's do it. Do it. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? All right. I am taking a quick photo of you guys. That's what that pause was. Okay, so um, this is where people write in mm-hmm. things they do or think, and they wonder, is it just me or everyone? And then sure. we say whether that's just them. Great. Uh, Daniel Muse 88. Uh, I wear earbuds at work, but I don't like to eat snacks or lunch with them in. Love your show. Um, everyone. Everyone loves the everyone. show. But Everybody regarding, does. yes, oh, but, wait, but the, ear, the earbuds. You just leave them in because you don't want to talk to people? Or no, no they he doesn't. Well, he doesn't like to eat with them in, and I totally relate to that because when you chew with something in your ear, it just sounds all weird, and it also causes it to fall out. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, not that's just everyone. You, that's not just you. It's everyone. Just you. Okay. Um, a Veronesi says, "If I like the fortune, I eat part of the cookie to make sure it comes true." I have never done that, but I like that. I always well, who eat doesn't the eat the whole fucking cookie? Like, yeah, you're right. That's why ras- I've never who's done that. Rationing <laughs> out like a. That's why I've never done that. Don't eat the cookie. I'm gonna do four words. It's a fucking cookie. 
Yeah. Everyone it, should eat, eat it. The to it's me, like for, and fortune, and like, by know, the way, fortune, have we sort of run out of fortunes? I feel like now most of the fortunes, and I don't the know. The other night, I was at dinner, there was a bunch of us there, it's gonna and be an, two of us have the exact same fortune. What the hell is that? That and like, it's going to be- Do you a, remember Gary Shandling's old great joke about that? I don't I don't think I do. His old joke about the fortune. I never, this is from that day, back in the day. He's like, I opened a fortune cookie, and it said, I peed in your rice. And then he was like, <laughs> should, this be, should this be hand written? <laughs> Hilarious. That's just a great joke. Great joke. Uh, and of course, Zach Galifianakis is great fortune cookie joke, which is he opened fortune cookie and said, you will have diarrhea. <laughs> there you go. And that's, that's probably the truest fortune. They, but I just feel like they're no longer fortunes. Like it's like yeah. you, open up, you open up one and it's like you are a nice person mm-hmm. or like congratulations, Arab Spring. That has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. They should start sponsoring fortunes. That would be great. The Arab Spring. Yes. <laughs> the Arab Spring. Sponsored by, by the Irish. Sponsored by Irish Spring. Why isn't the Arab Spring a soap? <laughs> it should be. Right? Soap it really just... should be. Um, okay. Um, Someone's whist- whistling in the desert. Yeah. Baudoir and Babe. I can't dry my hands unless, unless both hands are wet, even if I only got one hand wet while doing something. It feels weird. Um, that's, that's just, just you. you. That's, that's just, just you. you. That is just you. That's way too complicated. Yeah. You're, that's you're going to be on my weird obsession. Yeah. Drying a dry hand is. I actually think that's a good luck in most cultures. It is Probably. to dry a dry hand. Yeah. A dried hand in the bush. What is that? That's worth, something. A dried hand in the bush is worth two it can wet. Be worth two wet ones in your pants. <laughs> Crazy Metal Fan says, when watching a movie, hold my breath while the characters are underwater to see if I would have survived. Ooh, I like that. I don't think I do that. Yeah, that's just you, but more people should do that. Yes. Right. That's just you, but I wish more people do I'm yeah. going to start doing that. Me yeah. too. Phenomenal. All right. Colleen says, if I have a pimple the size of Neptune on my face, I feel like I have to talk about it and say, oh, this isn't always here. Yes, I tend to draw attention you to things do. that I'm uncomfortable you, about as I well. Mean, can I offer up an opening line? Please. Have you met my friend? There you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's good. There you go. Have you that's met my good. friend? Yeah, that's nice. Or if you're going to a restaurant and it's just you can be like table for two yeah. and point to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's also good. Um, okay, underscore. If I'm traveling alone and get a hotel room with two beds, I always sleep in the one furthest from the door. I, get I that. change it up. You don't want to get murdered. I get oh, it. Oh, that's why. Well, it's... you don't want to get murdered so quickly. You need them to make two <laughs> more steps. <laughs> so, <laughs> stumble over another bed before they I, No, I think that it's all about TV positioning. It's right. like where, which bed has the better quick angle at the TV? For I'm me, gonna... it's about being near the phone, right. even though I'm never going to use that no, phone. No, because if the phone's going to give you a wake-up call, you need yes. that. Or the you want it clock. further away so it really wakes you up. So you don't oh, have yeah, that's good. So it's, it's just where the phone positioning has a lot to do with it. Okay. So it's not just you. Uh, and great, by the way, great Twitter handle. Underscore. Yeah. And then the Twitter handle. The word it's underscore. Yeah, I think it's actually underscore, underscore, then underscore spelled out, and then another underscore. underscore. It's great, but it's imagine what it's like for that person telling, like, find me on Twitter. That's why. Underscore, underscore, yeah, underscore. underscore. Cool. I like it just saying it. Okay. Amanda Allen Va. Virginia. Mm-hmm. Probably. Allen, Virginia. Does people's... Lack of being able to determine the difference between there, there, or there drive you insane. Just me. Yes. I would just but, start that by saying do people's. I know. <laughs> I would too. But um, I recently I recently used Y-O-U-R when I meant Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. which made thing, me fe- Well, but it made me feel awful in that usually I notice when other people do that. 
Yeah, um, look, look, but I, yeah, the, they're, the, it, it, it is, all bugs me. It all, get it all right. Get grammar, it right. grammar stuff all there, bugs there's, me. There, there is lots of rules in grammar. And you but can, I, don't think you can, they, I don't think you can make that grammar thing and say does people's. <laughs> I no. know. But you know what? You know another thing I hate is a lot as one word. It's two words. A yeah. lot. I, I hate it a lot. I hate it a lot. You know what I don't like is noon for no one. Have you seen people write N O O N E? Right. Like no, it's, it's two words. Peter no Noon. one is two words. Peter no. Noon used to do that all the time. He did. Yeah. All right. Next one. All right. But I have to say, and I've said this before on the podcast, I no longer know the correct usage of a comma. I'm baffled by commas. I'm a writer. Commas, commas can be a little baffling. Yeah. Okay. Bros of Coast. Whenever there is a mirror present, I look at myself. Just me. I do that too. Everyone. I, I drive. Sometimes I look at myself while I'm driving. Sometimes Even vampires do that. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be good looking. You. But everyone. It's not vanity. It's more like I'm doing you guys a favor by not looking ugly. Yeah. But I, and you know what? That's just what it is. It's like you. We all know, and we all know, we're not supermodels. Ninety nine point nine percent of us aren't supermodels. But you have Speak a range. Well, yeah. I'm saying me. You right. are. You are. But we have a range. Sometimes you look great. And sometimes you look like garbage. If you have a chance, if you have a chance in the mirror to go from a 74 to like an 86, you're going to take it. Just with like a quick like hair move. You're going to take it. You're going to take that. And I respect you for that. Not not just you, bros. You're not being vain. But isn't that weird how sometimes just one hair move can move you up that Totally. That's the arbitrary nature of life. Yeah. I know. That's life. That's why you got to find someone who loves you for your comedy. That's some kind of uncertainty principle. I feel like... Not Heisenberg, but someone else. Yeah. Vidal Sassoon's. Lozenberg. Yeah. I think it's the Hawthorne effect. Okay. Lazy Comedy says, every time I clean and wipe down a faucet, I feel like I'm jacking off a robot. I like that. I've never felt that that way. I'll tell you, the the way that you will feel even more like you're jacking off a robot, if you have one of those touch turn on faucets. Oh, because so then it'll. As you're wiping it down, <laughs> then it'll discharge water. The and question is if it's hot more. water or yeah. not. The, yeah. hotter, the hotter the water, I feel like the more ejaculatory it is. Okay, you just brought up something that made me think of it just me or everyone. I know somebody who has that automatic faucet thing. Right. But they make it so that you have to put the handle in the right position so that when you touch it, it'll come on. So there's right. like an off position. So right. if you walk up and touch it, nothing will happen. That's like the lock key on your phone. Right, exactly. This person refuses to leave it in the open position, thus defeating the purpose of that the touch. Is. And I think that it's an assault. Total like, assault. Do they have children or no? Me. Oh. I'm the youngest. Oh. Okay. What so the fuck? These this person happens to your parents. Yeah, your well, parents. Oh. Well, it doesn't make any – and they think on some level that they're saving water – I, I don't by, know by switching it to the off position. No, it's not like a compu- It's not like your iPhone charger. If it's plugged in the wall, it's still doing electricity. Exactly. If it's in the open position, it's fine. It yeah. only turns on when you touch it. I think it, she once. Said, I think she once said to me, "That'll wear it out." That and I was like, "They're D batteries that you replace once every four years. Like, it's I'll, like I'll pay for them." That's like Nixon going to China and like doing the whole John Hay open door policy and then never being able to trade with them ever. That's again. what I said to Thanks. him. Exactly right? that. Allison and I had the same conversation. Yeah. I okay. think it's yeah. time now to do a quick. Hey, hey, hey! Go fuck yourself. Okay, so this is where um, usually. I stumble across a message board comment or yes. someone mm-hmm. leaves me a shitty comment. Yep. But I have made a concerted effort not to expose myself to that stuff mm-hmm. as much. Mm-hmm. Which, and, and, But the segment has suffered. Yeah. So let's hear, let's hear one. But we'll, here's do one. Do we need now to do this, ours? <laughs> oh, we yeah. Have, well, we have plenty. Please. Have plenty. Mm-hmm. But this one, I, so I was looking at the comments on the Adam Carolla show, and Greg um, Fitzsimmons was on yesterday. Love Fitzy. Fitzy. Just did his He's show. great. Love him. Um, but, you know, there was this, like, uh, 
he's seen as a, you know, libtard. Oh. <laughs> so uh, here's a comment from someone on that show. Mm. Can't wait to, and I'm, I'm giving him that kind of voice. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to find out what radical, anti-religious, anti-conservative, left-wing hate he will spew this time. Usually finds a way to get in some anti-Catholic bashing, too. Question. To the 50 or so stand-up comedians and comic actors who denounced Roman Catholicism, married left-wing liberal Jewish girls, and became liberal atheists, is that paying off for you? I mean, are you really getting that big movie yet? Or when does that that pay off and how? So this person needs to go fuck themselves because, I mean, there's so many reasons on the surface well, of it. I mean, but that's not how the, the world works. Well, he missed the point. I'm assuming it's a he. Yeah, he, I imagine. He missed the point because... You know, Scientology is the only religion that can actually get you work. Being a Jew does not. If it did, we'd be much more successful. We're as Jewy as it gets. I just think it's uh, this is blind faith. This is what I was talking about before when I was saying like encouraging debate amongst people. The most dangerous people in this country, and you'll watch it during the election, are the fucking blind faith. And by the way, there are blind faith Jews out there, like the Jews who are building settlements in the middle of like trying to like stop peace from happening there. They're fucking bad too. It's bad on every side. Okay, Mm, it's extremism. Fundamental extremism and blind faith is terrible. Tim Tebow fans, I hear Tim Tebow fans. That's a great example on something that doesn't mean anything or matter. Like Mm -hmm. Tim Tebow fans think he's the greatest thing ever. Well, he's not. He technically is not, and he's. Not the second coming of Christ. You can argue that he's a winner and that he has some great qualities. Absolutely. Is he a great quarterback? No. no. He's terrible. Great guy, shitty quarterback. And it's like, but you have to be able to separate those two, and blind faith people don't. Right. So the second Greg Fitzsimmons says anything about, I don't believe in Catholicism and it didn't work for me because of this, and this is a bunch of fucking shit. This person is going to be like, I hate him and I hate everything yeah. that he says. It's like, you can't. Bl- yeah, honestly, get- you know what I say to that? That's what my. Three-year-old says when when I tell him he can't do the thing that he wants to do, you're a fucking baby. Grow your brain up and support yeah. what you want to support. If someone doesn't like what you like, like I said about Corolla, like he came on our show and said some stuff that, quite honestly, I disagreed with, and we even said so a little bit in it. Does it make me think that he's not a smart guy? Does it make me think that we don't? He's a bad guy. No, no, no not in the least. Yeah. And, and honestly, I'm not going to judge the totality of who he is on one comment that he makes about this thing that gets blown up. Again, nuanced lifestyle is better than black and white. Yeah. First, what's getting to me about this though is the idea that someone falls in love or or mar- you know pretends to be in love and marries someone and renounces a certain belief system and becomes something else because they think that will get them work like that's the most naive view Look, maybe and some people are should, doing like, it and, but but this person's capable of thinking that way but let me say this this and person th- probably thinks he'd get work if he could just okay you know, i'm gonna now talk down to this person even more by saying Please. by saying i'm going to allow your opinion to be maybe true I'm going to allow that, like, there are probably some people out there who, like, believe if they married into this thing that they would then get work. You're probably right. Oh, they believe right. that, yeah. They believe that. And maybe they do get work. So maybe you're right in this statement. But the fact that I'm allowed for – I bet you've never said the words <laughs> maybe you're right to anyone who didn't have your set of beliefs. And for that, I say fuck you. Go yeah. fuck yourself hey. with your own fucking stupid stick. Yeah. Hey, go fuck yourself. And also – Hey. Hey. Yourself. There's a lot of buildup, yeah, but it's awesome. quite a payoff. Do you guys need to tell anyone to fuck themselves? I do. There was a guy who, and I'm not going to say his name because it just doesn't even matter. No. Uh, there was a guy who, from high school, total fucking douchebag, who, you know, and you look on someone's Twitter feed because, again, he wrote our names in and said, it's like, oh, you still the, I see you're still the stupid 
you know, stupid fucking idiots from <sighs> whatever. It's like he's like, go get some fucking writers, whatever he said. He's a lawyer in St. Louis. I was just like, you fucking dumb, stupid piece of shit. You're like, who the fuck did you date rape to get you to get married? Like, who did you <laughs> force into your situation so that you would be ma- like, how in the fact you're a lawyer, the fact that you're in charge of anything and is beyond me. You're grown up. You're grown up. He's, like, a, he's an adult. He's Isn't an he supposed adult. to not be doing this he's shit? He's our age. He's 40. And I'm just like, you are just this, this grizzled heap of broken dreams. Yeah. You shitty really fucking person. Yeah. You're a terrible yeah. person. Yeah. And, you know, I, again, Go fuck yourself because you you deserve to go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself for putting for for feeling the need. Like take that hate and spit it out somewhere else. But why do you have to put that hate in because our direction? I, I I never threw that out there. We've never thrown that out in any direction towards anybody. But right. I'm going to throw it out at him right now and say that I went after I read that I went upstairs to my kids' bedroom. They were both sleeping. I kissed them both and I said a prayer, saying, "Thank God I'm not this fucking asshole." Yeah. Hey. 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 Fuck yourself. Thank you, Jason. Do you have one? Uh, no, I'm good. Okay, you get you can share that one. No, nah, I'm done. With Not because you're less. Than no, a whole but he person, said it to both just, of us. Yeah. So when people do shitty stuff for us, we block them first thing, and then mm. re refresh our Twitter feed so they're gone. Uh, that's, that's the good. first thing that you do, and that and that gets them yeah, gone. Just move on. It's like I don't want to have to waste time. And do you ever write back to them? No. Once, usually once, we when don't. We were guests, Some guy, we were guest hosting Rome's radio, radio show. show, which is like, you know, a big deal. It's a lot of markets, really fun. And some guy came, like, you know, tweeted at us, didn't follow us, but made sure he found our name, yeah. our Twitter handle, and then put that into his email. It was like, I, writing to the producer of the show, I would rather have a vasectomy than with no, and he misspelled pain. He spelled it P A O N, pain medication, pay on medication, than oh, listen boy. to the Sklar brothers on the radio right now. And so our attitude was like, I saw that and I said, Oh, this fucking guy thinks that he's going to just throw some shit and some hate out in the universe and throw it our way with zero consequences or zero repercussions. So on the air, we were like, so this fucking so this guy comes in and, he, and, he, and this is his tweet and this is his Twitter handle. And we just were like, oh, do you, you know, you just came into a knife fight and stabbed yourself with your own shitty fucking spelling. Like, if you're going to go after people, then why don't you fucking, get it right, dude? Get it yeah. right. No pay on, no gay on. <laughs> And so we just started hammering him for uh, segment at, like, and we kept bringing it back and bringing and it up. reading other people's tweets, hammering him. So and it was all just, these people started hammering him. It was him. so fucking beautiful. And then he kind of acquiesced. He came back and he was like, "Oh, I guess I you got or in, in, in not in a bad way. He actually tried to be nice about it, but yeah, even he can at still that, go fuck himself. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, hey, that guy. Hey, you know what? Hey, go fuck yourself. Yourself, exactly. Well, you guys, thank you so much for doing my what show. What a blast. We'll have this you on ours. This has been a delight. Um, people can find you on Twitter at Sklar Brothers. Brothers, and they can find you on the web at... We are we are just launching our new website. It's going to come out probably in the next week probably or so. it'll be out by the time the show is by out. By the time the show is out, it's called Supersklars.com, and we actually spent a lot of time with the great designer to like put it all together, and it is going to have everything. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you want to follow us on Facebook, you want to know when we buy tickets for our shows, all that stuff, Supersklars.com. Podcast has all podcast all information, and you know what? They'll you'll alert them when you're coming our, on our podcast, which will happen. That's in the coming right. Weeks. I sure will. And if you want to follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen, if you want to follow the show's Twitter feed at ARIYNBF, if you want to email the show, that is ARIYNBF at AdamCarolla.com. You can p- follow Gary at G Patrick Smith. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, then um, why not click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. Uh, and 
it doesn't cost you anything, but that helps the show. And thank you for listening. I love you guys. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show?